When are we running late? Do we have forgiving wives? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. There you go. I was almost a radio voice there. It got a little deep. You were almost a radio? I was almost a radio voice off the top. A little bit of this. Let's hear that again. All right. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. That. Commanding <laughs> like I had something to say, okay. which I do not. Have anything to say. I have nothing to say. Let's talk like that for about two hours. All right. That's all right. I like it. Yeah. If this might be a little shorter than normal, just because we got a, a shindig to go to afterwards, like and a, a hoot nanny. Hey. And I was a little later than I'd planned to get here, but that's this is how it goes when two this people. This how it goes. Two people have to arrive from two different places, and then you got to get ready. One has to, two, you know, I had to have a shower, at least I had a shower, you know. Yeah. We don't want to come around stinking up the joint. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, this, this reminds me of, uh, of, uh, of something I was reading today, and I got it right up here. Crime and was, Punishment? Uh, no, it was Joni Mitchell. Oh. It was Joni Mitchell. She was talking about uh, relationships mm-hmm. and people. She said many. She said many. But this was what her feeling was about monogamy. Okay. So do you think she's pro it? Well, first of all, let's place your bets. Joni Mitchell uh, pro it? I would say that she's... Or against it. I'm going to say that she's pro-temporary monogamy. Okay, here's what she said. It was in an Esquire uh, magazine. Uh, oh, she read an article in Esquire magazine called The End of Sex. Okay. All right. And uh, in, in it, she, uh, she read this and she found this to be true. Uh, if you want endless repetition, see a lot of different people. If you want infinite variety, stay with one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because what happens when you date is you run all your best moves and tell all your best stories in a way that routine is a method for falling in love with yourself over and over and over and over and over. But uh, you can't do that with a longtime mate because they know all the old stuff. <laughs> and after a while, you can't fool them either. That's right. So uh, things die, then are rekindled, and you share the process of rebirth, which deepens the love. That's what Joni Mitchell thinks. What do you think, Neil Young? <laughs> He said something about an old man taking a look at his life. He did say that. Yeah. And that old man must be said, dead by now. He also must said, be long dead by now, that old man. Very, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, he also said a man needs a maid. Oh, did he? Yeah. Ooh. I didn't think he, don't think he meant it in the sense of, I'm going to do some cleaning around the house. And then he looked over at David Crosby and went like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And David he went Crosby? like, do you mean me? And, was like, <laughs> and that's how he got kicked out of the band. Which one? Uh, yeah, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. And young. And then he said that thing about you need a oh, maid. Okay. And Crosby went, I don't feel comfortable around Neil. And, uh, <laughs> and Stills and Nash uh, said, uh, yeah, we were thinking of letting them go. Yeah. And uh, then uh, the next day they didn't tell him where they were performing. And it went from there. Hmm. I, it's, it's totally wrong in terms okay, of... Okay, fair enough. But it's fine. I get where you're going with it. I like that it's thing um, that, uh, speaking of uh, people that you're monogamous with, uh, <laughs> that Lisa yes. uh, posted, uh, reposted, uh, which was a listing of uh, what everyone made at Woodstock. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young were one of the bands at Woodstock. I felt like the, the band that got paid the least that I recognized was Sha Na Na. Which yeah, seems they're about pretty, right. They're pretty minor, though. Like, Yeah, that's the band that when you bring it up and just like, you know, mm. Sha Na Na was at Woodstock. They yeah. go, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, I think de- depending how early you appeared, if you're playing while it's still daylight out, you um like how about early in the run because it seemed that uh because of 
delays and stuff like that acts that were like the closing act for that night instead of playing at night we're playing like in the morning oh because so but like the who played at night like they did their 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 set okay a fantastic set at night you know it's very but then Jimi hendrix was basically playing to a bunch of people just waking up in the morning because he was on so late he got paid the most he got paid the most because he was the he was the last act he was the he was the headliner oh but because he was the very last act his last act was on the basically the morning of when it was over. Like people were gone, people were packing up to leave. Um, I know, I know. Yeah. Jefferson Airplane played in the morning as well because when it starts, uh, Grace Slick says, "You know, we'll hope you're ready for this morning madness music." So, <laughs> and then uh, they do volunteers, I believe. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Hendrix, eighteen thousand dollars. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, but considering. Like I think Crosby Stills Nash and Young five thousand dollars, but they got to split that. Yeah, that's pretty good. They split it. They got to split it. So Jimmy would have split it with uh, two people. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he wasn't playing with Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding at that point. Okay, he might have had four people in his band. I, I don't know exactly what his band was made up of at that time. Buddy Cox on bass, I guess, and uh, and I can't remember the name of the drummer now. Um, darn it. Anyway, but yeah, but like a band like Blood Sweat and Tears. I think they got like fifteen thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, let me take. Yeah, that's right. So it was uh, five thousand for blood, five thousand for sweat, five thousand. <laughs> yeah. The actual band was like eight, eight or nine guys. So it's, mm. it's less than you'd think. Like in terms of like, like Jimmy Hendrix got really. It's really good because there's not that many people to pay out. You know, basically he's getting the lion's share and he's kind of giving up because at that point the experience was over, and so I imagine there was less feeling that you need you needed to share it amongst your. Your bandmates, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are like hired people that came in and ah, Billy Cox was the drummer that I think when I might have played with them at, which I don't quote. So me was there like a backstage back there where they all hung out and whatnot? Sure. Or sure. did they just show up like uh, you're on in two hours? Show up two hours beforehand, or would they stay like and all, like how would they get in there? That's what like- I was going to say. So pretty much people who came the the at beginning of it, unless they could arrange transportation out, and that would have meant like a helicopter, they were there for the whole time. Like just hanging around. Wow! Like Johnson and no one and none yeah. of the uh, folks like uh, just crashed into the backstage. Area. They didn't care. It was they were safe back there. And yeah, it was all fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think there was like more a, more of a respectful sense of separation between the entertainer and the audience right. at that time. I'm thinking of modern big outdoor concerts mm-hmm. where you know you hear like madness. <laughs> yes, and not the band. Not the band. That's that's yeah. That's it. Oh, there's a name for it. There was a thing they used to do like a a fest in England. That their own thing like Madstock, I think it was called. Madstock, that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was Madness's own outdoor festival that they did with other kind of bands of like minded sort of bands. Um yeah, there's like in the movie there's a scene where John Sebastian sings a Love and Spoonful song and he forgets the words t- to it partway through the song and the audience kind of gives him some help. The thing was is that that wasn't his actual act. Like that wasn't his set that 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 day. He just there was some problems, and so he just got like thrown out on stage <laughs> to perform, like just kind of fill in. And yeah. he was also tripping on acid at the time because he just he wasn't supposed to perform. So he's like, "Well, I'll just drop some acid and walk around and enjoy this crazy thing." And yeah. and next thing you know, like, "Hey, John, get on stage, <laughs> just do any song." And he's like, uh, "I can't remember the song. It's like a song about like." Younger generation, I think it's called the younger generation. Something like that, like, what will the younger generation say? You know, when they're older, yeah, and, you know. And then the idea is that you're, he's flipping the story instead of th- them being the cool people. Now they're right. they're the old people, and they're and the kids are like on their Zoom cycle or whatever. He, that's kind of full of interesting. 
Yeah. And uh, now that they are the older generation. Yeah. What are they, what are they, they didn't say? expect They didn't expect to be boomers, did they? No. And that's what they became. Yeah. The Who, that's... they did not die before they got old. Well. The Who. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them did. But, uh, you know. <laughs> one of them did not anyway. All, not all of us. Yeah. It's one of those lyrics. Wants that, to. It's one of those lyrics that gets uh, ironic over time. And it does, but it, I mean, and the fact that the song is a character singing, it's not a song. Mm. It's not a personal song. But it's like Paul McCartney when he's singing when I'm 64 now that he's 80. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully he sings when I'm 84 now that he's 80. Mm. That would work too. That would be nice. David does it as when I'm 66, I think now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, I know Bare Naked Ladies uh, sing the song uh, When I Had a Million Dollars. Is that right? Past tensing that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you can lose a million dollars. No, you don't lose it. You spend it. You spend it, yeah. Yeah, that's how money works usually. It's like uh, it's there and then uh, Mm -hmm. things. But you think like something like One Week was a pretty big. You can't spend it in one week. It was a pretty big (laughs) song. That's a buy a house song. You know you where could. I bet they make their most money, though? Mm. What do you think they make their most money on? I've got a good guess. Uh, signs outside of strip clubs, because they trademark the name Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Anytime a, a woman takes off her clothes, they get a buck. <laughs> get a buck. <laughs> That's $1. <laughs> and the weird thing is, yeah. uh, it's uh, like Stephen Page is there, like, asking for the dollar. And it's like, are you even in the band anymore? And he's like, no, that's why I've got the time. Yeah, I got the time. I got the time to do this. No, what I would assume they make their most money off of would be, unless it's there's a commercial that's got, like, you know, the, the song in it, like a car ad or something. Yeah. Uh, would be the Big Bang Theory. Oh, is that that their song? Is it one week? They do the theme song. Oh, they did the theme song for it. Yeah, yeah. Assuming they got like a good yeah. deal. Yeah, and they get and they get more every time yeah, it plays, yeah. and it plays infin- infinity times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure uh, they do okay. Yeah, I'm sure they do okay. They make a make a good living. I, I was gonna, I thought you were gonna say because uh, of the lead singer flying people around in his plane. He has his own airline. Oh, the Edjet Ed guy. Yeah, is Ed, that right? Edjet. Yeah, yeah. This flies people. I. I'm, he did that show though. Do you remember that show? He I would, do. He would fly his plane somewhere, and then he would like get work for the post office for a work day. Work for the post office for a day, and the post office would be like, I guess <laughs> he seems nice, I suppose. But we got mail to do, and I remember Ed yeah, Robertson. That's his name. Yeah, the, the the episode I remember was the one where he had to scrape uh, barnacles off of things, mm. and uh, and then you learned uh, that barnacles had the largest penis proportionately. Of any animal, and mm. basically they could uh, get it on from quite a distance, and that that taught you the value of a large penis, which is, has absolutely no value. There you go. Yeah, if you're a barn, you're still gonna <laughs> you're someone's still, you're gonna come along and scrape you off. Yeah, that's right. You you might have a large penis, but yeah, you're still a barnacle. Yeah, and then the and then the barnacle as they're getting scraped off goes. Was that one of the bare naked ladies? Yeah. Why do you think he splash? <laughs> and now they're back under the sea. <laughs> And they're like, why do we hang on to boats like that? Don't mm. you want to like live under the ocean? Isn't it better? Nah, I don't know. Probably not. I want to see the world. I want to see the world. It's probably optimal for them since they. I think they feed off stuff drifting by them. They get a lot of stuff drifting by them. Oh, feed off of. Yeah, I thought you said beat off. <laughs> yes, I thought you said penis. they beat off as that stuff well, is drifting that's by why them. They have such a large penis. So they have to beat off. <laughs> oh, I don't feel comfortable with this show at all. I'm glad it's going to be shorter than normal. <laughs> that's right. Um, These underage barnacles. Yeah, I, I was telling you before we we got started uh, that there's a, um, a pop up shop in uh, the UK that's serving ice cream now of uh, various different uh, British flavors. Okay, and here are some of the flavors they've got: uh, Heinz beans, terrible. Uh, Heinz salad cream, awful. Uh, polo. No. Okay, wait a second. Salad cream. Okay, that's just basically sour cream and onion. 
Okay. Polo, those are like mints, like basically lifesavers, minty lifesavers oh. as an ice cream. Oh, eh? the, eh? I'm not really a mint guy, so. That, okay. HP sauce. Uh, Cocoa Pops. All right. Pretty good. All right. That'd be fine. Uh, Quaker Oats. What kind? Which one? Rolled Oats. Rolled Oats? Yeah. Quaker Rolled Oats. Okay. I can see that. Lee and Perrin's uh, Worcestershire sauce. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Tomato ketchup. Definitely not. I'm betting that one's not bad. I'm betting as an ice cream. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet it's a weird one, but I'm betting if you tried that one, it would not be no, as bad as you would I think. Guess, I guess I would give it a try. Yeah, uh, Kiko Man soy sauce. Okay. Uh, and uh, oh, 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 Rogers Golden Syrup. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then uh, finally, uh, just uh, uh, mayonnaise. Mm. <laughs> Seems a little yeah. basic, but yeah, a little uh, basic. golden syrup. That's how come they have golden syrup. And we, where it's made, don't have golden syrup flavored ice cream. That's an excellent point that you make. It's excellent. Because we brought this up like last week. Do you know why? A a, a fella named Trudeau. That's why. And his fascist government. Yep. That's what I've heard. If someone describes it on Facebook, a person who is a Facebook friend, I'll put that in quotation marks because it's someone I have not spoken to in over a decade. But um, yeah. I was watching. Fascist government. I thought, well... You have a very elastic definition of a fascist government, but okay. Yeah, he's very easy to kick out if, uh, you, yeah, know, if you don't like him. Vote of no confidence and uh, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, that's not really the way it works, but okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah. I was watching a Joe Rogan clip from the oh, beginning dear. of the pandemic mm. uh, where he had a guy who was pro vaccine on, and he was talking about how he was worried that uh, the anti vaxxers would uh, mess this up for everybody. <laughs> He didn't realize he was talking to one of the prime suspects. No, no, no. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Joe Rogan. Said oh, Joe that. Rogan said that. Yeah, he was worried that the anti-vaxxers, yeah, uh, with their paranoia, uh, would uh, would help the disease spread. Wow. Yeah, that's a. Uh, and they uh, took an irony supplement, <laughs> and uh, it all flipped. But yeah, <laughs> irony indeed. Oh my word! It that's was, uh, that's it was interesting. A heck of a thing. He was just um, he was just discussing. I, I don't understand these people. Like so. Um, there's that com- British comedian. Stuart Lee? No, he's not funny. He's, uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is kind of funny. He's had funny times. Yeah. No. Okay, British comedian. Uh, brand. That, something brand. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Not funny. Not a lot a f- of energy. But not funny. Good looking. Good looking, a lot of energy. Not not good looking, not funny. Oh, but anyway. Yeah, he's a fairly good looking guy. If you say so. I, I do. I think, I, I, subjectively, I think, uh, yes. But continue on. Okay. Uh... He was, uh, you know, paying tribute to the truckers' convoy and stuff like that when it was going on. Mm-hmm. Big fan of all that nonsense. And then, uh, then we have Joe Rogan, also like weighing in on Canadian things. He was just uh, furthering this uh, like thing about um, Trudeau being Fidel Castro's son. Yeah. On the show, they're because he saw about some pictures, probably. Yeah, yeah. There is a there is there's a couple of pictures if you put them side by side. There you go. I guess. But you know what? Uh, my grandfather looked like Hitler. Okay. They were very different fellas. Yes. They were on very different sides during the war. Okay. My grandfather was a ginnet. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was part of but the But he war. would not shave off that mustache, no matter what people said to him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I've had this my whole life. I'm not going to let some jerk in Germany ruin this for me. Yeah, he said, like, I, the carpet matches the drapes. <laughs> and, and no one wanted to ask him what he meant by that. <laughs> this is the kind of mustache that all bus conductors That's right. have. And then he said, I'll get you, butler. And I was like, wow, I don't get that reference at all. And neither do most people listening to this. <laughs> so, 
Uh, yeah, it's just sort of it's sort of ridiculous because yeah, there he had, I guess he had some guest on and they were looking at this. And by the way, it was four years after the birth of Justin Trudeau that the the Trudeaus actually visited Cuba for the first time. Okay. So there's like a time lapse. So unless Fidel Castro traveled back in time, to no, but you don't understand that uh, that he's got one of those barnacle penises. <laughs> you reach, okay, didn't reach understand. Back time. You know what? I'm taking it all back. That is impressive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and they're just looking at it. And then I guess they called the pictures of, of Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And yeah. then they went, oh, well, they look alike too. Oh, I'll just forget it. This is just ridiculous. And they just stopped there. Yeah. Which is even, it's kind of fun, I guess. But at the same time, the problem is, is that people don't reach that second stage of, of this sort of nonsense. Yeah, show a picture of like uh, his mom with Mick Jagger and don't tell him what year it was. And just go, yeah, we think he might be Mick Jagger's son and see if Rogan runs with that. <laughs> see how far he goes. Sure, sure. You know what? You got, I don't know how long his show is. I'm going to assume four hours a day. It feels like it's about that. Is that right? I assume so. I got to assume his show, it, like his show is so rambly that it's got to be hours on hours and hours. Okay. It can't just be two hours. Yeah. Can't be. Uh, so uh, you got to fill a lot of time. You fill a lot of time, mm. say a lot of stuff. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta loosen, you know, your uh, <laughs> Bowel, sense of bowels? what's going. Oh, on. I'm sorry. Yeah, and just let it all yeah. poop out all <laughs> over the radio. <laughs> your your verbal bowels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think is what what happens. As you know, and I'm saying that as a person who normally does a three hour uh, podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. stuff comes out. Like if you went through our podcast, we probably you could probably find some stuff that I'd go, nah, I don't agree with myself <laughs> at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we were talking about the benefits of monogamy off the top. Yeah. And you and I are swinging guys. We're swinging guys, yeah. We regularly have key parties. That's right. By that, I mean we have sex with keys. Hmm. <laughs> Thought you enjoyed I'm not going to, I'm not going to like speak up against the joke, but I'm not supporting it. I'm no Joe Rogan is what I'm saying. You're going to play it back for me later and go like, well, you really supported that key joke. And I'm like, <laughs> well, play the tape back again and, uh, and let's look at the transcripts. <laughs> let's check out when I was pro-vaccine. Santana, $750. Santana. Wow. And that Woodstock broke them. Not broke, broke, not like broke their backs, but broke them to the American public, like as a... Oh, I, th big group. I thought paying Santana that seven fifty just broke the budget. No, no, it's like no. that was too much. That was too much. Although I mean, the whole thing was too much. The whole thing they were they were in, they were like in debt when the when the when Woodstock ended, like the promoters and stuff like that. Because basically, it was just two guys who were like two trust fund kids mm. who got a bunch of money and decided they wanted to make money by putting on a, a concert. How much was it to get it? Any idea? I have no idea. It's like three bucks or something like that. Okay, not bad. And so, how many people showed up? Generally, uh, any idea? Oh, like ten, three times more than the ticket holders. But or did more. they pay or did they just No, they, they broke the gates down and went. And then after the after the fences were all knocked down, they went, we're declaring this a free concert. <laughs> okay. Wait, now that the horses left the barn, it's a free concert. Did they make money off uh, like... Uh, they made money off the film. They made money off the film. film. And they made money did off they, the record. Who, like they must have sold like... And they didn't make any money from that. Because I don't think they had like... It wasn't organized in that, in, that way in those days. Because those people needed to drink something. Sure, sure. Something. There was people who sold stuff there but i don't think they they weren't selling for woodstock they were just okay. vendors who showed up with with stuff and in a lot of cases a lot of people were fed by the population around the site which wasn't by the way wasn't in woodstock mm -hmm. it was in, in, in bethel new york oh, interesting. the actual concert because woodstock would not uh, allow them to do a concert there why'd they go to woodstock then 
why do they call it Woodstock? Because they wanted the association with Bob Dylan, who lived in Woodstock. Was ah. And it was kind of considered a hip place. This is good trivia. That's where the band lived, and Van Morrison lived there for a while. So, you know, you could kind of use that as your... Uh, you know, as your hook. And people were kind of like, oh, Bob, D- obviously Bob Dylan's going to be there. And for our listeners, here's trivia for you. I'm sure Dave knows. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's going to get it. But before he tells it to you, uh, <laughs> what band was supposed to have re- received $5,000 plus an additional $5,000 for their light show, but they didn't show up? What band was that? Do you know the band? Pink Floyd? Nope. Oh, The Grateful Dead? Nope. Oh, who would it be? Iron Butterfly. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. They were supposed to show up. They oh. didn't. So they just like jammed out or they just couldn't make it in i just see it's 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 written at the bottom of the uh, list okay so i wonder what i imagine happened is that they were like they just didn't and they didn't they just they couldn't logistically get it together i suppose and when they actually started towards the because the whole the whole interstate was like was jammed with cars like you couldn't go anywhere Mm. for that whole weekend like no one could move like the whole thing was just like a, a disaster and so because, you know, no one had ever tried this before. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty early on in, in, in terms of, uh, at least the, in the States doing this. And, yeah, so the so the two guys, they hired uh, some people to help them. And uh, Artie Kornfeld was one who was kind of like kind of a New York, um, you know, producer, songwriter, more kind of more closely involved in the pop scene. He had written songs for the Cow Sills and stuff like that. And this other guy named Michael something, I can't remember his na- last name now. And basically they were hired as the as the talent getters and the okay. organizers so and then this michael guy hired like the people to do the actual like li- you know get putting together the stage and getting all the the equipment together because you know this is you know it's 69 i guess and and luckily for rock music you know there was this guy named jim marshall from england who invented the marshall amp which allowed for like uh amplified music to be heard in, in right. a concert setting which is something the beatles didn't have like when the beatles toured they were using the actual sound system in the stadiums so just like the little kind of bullhorns and stuff like that they were set up around for people to on concourse please you know and stuff like that so they were using that as their as their sound system so it's just abysmal and they couldn't hear themselves and the crowd couldn't hear them and it's just a mess so then when marshall invented like these huge amps that could you know be really powerful sound and could be stacked you know, you have three on top of each other and just blasting music out to the audience. That was just like a big turning Neat. point in music. And so, you know, you needed people who could like figure out what you needed for sound, what you needed for your PAs and your monitors and everything. And I think that was name was Chipmunk, which is a great name. He was the kind of the, the I guess, the head roadie or whatever, the head guy doing all this stuff. Yeah, it was quite the undertaking. But unfortunately, because of the, you know, it was just so overwhelming, uh, you know, they just lost money because they just made they just lost they just you know lost their shirts basically and but fortunately for them they they allowed it to be filmed as a movie and there was a soundtrack album and they both both those things were like huge successes and that's what you know made it a success and so they actually came out of it quite well and the bands that allowed themselves to be on the record and not all bands would agree to be on the record it was like a career changer for them. Like mm. that, that made so many careers at that time, or at least brought them to atten- to the people's attention, you know. Guys you might have known if you were like into this particular scene, like someone like Richie Havens, like you would never know who he was if he wasn't at Woodstock. Like now we would, the only thing we know about him is that he sang a song in Woodstock. <laughs> That's what all people are going to remember about. And Sean and I would be the same. Like what is their lasting legacy? Not their TV, not their summer replacement show that we watched when we were kids, slightly 50s themed because of a Happy Days. Yeah. 
is this would be Woodstock. The lead singer uh, hosted Match Game for a while. Who was the lead singer? Uh, Bowser. He was not the lead singer. He was the bass singer. Oh, okay. He had well, the front, front man, would bow, you say? Bow. I think he... he front man? He was the, no, he wasn't the front man. But he had the most character because he was called Bowser. So we remember him. He wore a leather jacket and you know was kind of gawky. Fought, and fought uh, Super Mario. Yeah. He's kind of gawky. And uh, but yeah, no, the lead guy would have been the person singing. Who, like who the, was the lead guy? I don't know. And there we go. So it was Bowser. <laughs> well, no. I think I think Aston answered. That we all I remember mean, Bowser like, to this. It'd day. be like saying Keith Moon is the most important member of the Who, just because that's the name people most remember because he was the most, you know, out there. You know, who's the lead person? Pete Townsend, I guess. Who's the lead singer? Roger Dol- Dolce, but he doesn't write the songs. But you know. Who's the leader of that group? I could, yeah. The only person I could name from Shana now would be Bowser. The only mm-hmm. person I, I can picture is Bowser. Yeah, yeah. Just because you know, he was striking. You know what? Here's the thing. He hosted the TV show. He was the guy at the end who would say "Grease for Peace." He's the guy who would wrap things up okay. and say thanks to our guests. Mm. Thanks to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd uh, do a little uh, thing and flex his muscle. And you'd go like, ooh, I guess that's impressive back now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> then, you know, some do some song where he was allowed to go bow, 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 bow. Because, you know, that was his thing. That was his thing. I wonder if he ever uh, played a dog who went bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Probably. It's amazing that it was never a Saturday morning uh uh, show as well good for him yeah there's um in the movie well one thing that's great about the movie is that it was filmed uh for widescreen and there's lots of split elements to it yeah. where you can see different musicians performing at the same time and different parts of the screen and and watch but yeah it's interesting like groups that played there i think the grateful dead did play there but they didn't allow was, any- that, was that a bit sorry was that a bit of the jewish and uh, uh kind of uh, uh thomas crown affair kind of split screen yeah technology? i guess that probably would have yeah Definitely yeah. would have come out of that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was it was kind of new at that time? Mm-hmm. Some people wrote it into the ground, like uh, Brian De Palma. Took it in. Yep, he really liked it. Uh, yep, but it really works if it's done well. It can work really well in a movie. Like I'm thinking of Sisters, the Brian De Palma film, where the woman's trying to convince the police to come go up to this apartment because something's happened bad there, and they're hemming and hawing and and putting it off. Meanwhile. This guy has come and he's cleaning up all the he's cleaning up the body and or hiding the body and cleaning up all the the mess and stuff like that. And so when they f- finally get there, it's all cleaned up. But you can see both things happening at the same time, right? Because like, it's split screen, it's kind of good. That's impressive. I'm looking at like uh, how long that Shannon show uh, ran four years. Oh, really? Yeah, that is uh, surprising. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, from '77 to uh, to '81. Hmm. Huh. And they got booked on uh, Woodstock because they were friends with who? Who were they friends with? I don't know. Jimi Hendrix. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I guess he knew them from the village or something because he played around New York City before he before he went to England and made it. And where? What? Uh, uh, their name? Shanana. Right. Yeah. Uh, comes from what uh, song? Blue Moon. Uh, get a job. Ah. I mean, I'm sure they use that in lots of different songs. <laughs> fair enough. Job. Fair enough, and fair enough. Yeah, I'm just looking at. Uh, what yeah. was the answer? Who, who did the answer song to get a job? Oh, the answer song? I don't know. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. And what was the answer? Got a job. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was the age of the answer song. We don't really nice. see that anymore. You should look that up. Maybe I'll do a top five answer song. Oh, that is interesting. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I like it. I'm all uh, I'm 100% for <laughs> You're it. all ears. Thank you. I found a, uh, I found a, 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 a dollar store uh, trivial pursuit. 
Beatles thing. Oh, neat. So if we ever need to goose things up and uh, <laughs> return to some of our uh, completely Beatles glory, I will ask yeah, you yeah. Uh, Beatles trivia. I'll have forgotten course. all of it now, so it's, it'll be uh, fair. Oh, I, well, let me try one question first. <laughs> so let's this is interesting to me. I like the idea that you will have forgotten it all. All right. Uh, traditionally, oh, I would everything say... Everything I knew. We roll, we roll the die to see which, uh, but it'd be like loud. Mm-hmm. So shake a shake a shake a, and we got a green. green. Okay, not sure what green is. Green is something. Uh, which beetle mm. uh, was primarily raised by their aunt Mimi? Oh, John Lennon. Oh, okay. Because I remember that. Very good. <laughs> and uh, what was her? What was her name? What was her real name? Yeah, Aunt Mimi. Yeah. Uh, I'll increase the difficulty here for a second. I don't actually, can't remember now. Mary Smith. Mary Smith. Uh, I knew right. it was Mary, but I couldn't remember last time. I'm just going to burn through the questions for okay. you. Uh, which U.S. record company turned down the Beatles four times before Capital. Green? Okay. Other than John, Paul, George, and Ringo, what two individuals were members of the Beatles for the longest period of time? I guess Stu Sutcliffe and, and Pete Best? Yes. According to a 1964 Beatles single, what, what can't you buy with money? You can't buy love. That's correct. What song did Paul write for uh, Cecilia Black? Cilla Black. Yeah. Cilla, sorry, Cilla Black. Well, you probably know Love it then. Love of the Loved? Let's see. Well, it's, uh, for her 1968 British television oh, show. Oh, sorry. Not Love of the Loved then. Um, you got one of the words right. <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Love? Uh, it was uh, Step Inside Love. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, I've forgotten everything. And this one, I'm going to reverse it for you. I'm just going to tell you the answer. Okay. You tell me what the question <laughs> okay. was. Help. Uh, what was their ni- the title of the 1966 film? It was their uh, f- first movie to do what? First movie to, well, only did two movies really. Uh, yeah. The first movie to, I don't know what. Be shot in color. Oh, I was thinking that, but I was thinking that's too obvious. It can't, it can't be too obvious. All I right. guess that's right. Things start to lag. I'm going back to the box. Okay. Why would they lag? Why would they lag? No, they'd never lag. Everything's fine. Things are. Uh, things couldn't be better. They're all good. Well, I have a bit of trivia for you if you please if, if you're interested. tell me your trivia. I I found I found an interesting list. I thought it was kind of neat, which was um, something that people talk about, and I just it's near identical films that came out at the same time. Yes. Okay. I got a couple come to mind. Go ahead. So um, let me find the list here. So um, now if you go back, you have to go back in time for some of these. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go past some of them. So I kind of think that studios must know that other studios are making films and they decide that there's, they must know something. And so we better get in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, because kind of like when uh, The Golden Child was being made with Eddie Murphy, um, the screenplay for... Um, Big Trouble in Little China had been floating around for quite a while. But as soon as they heard, the studio heard that go- the Golden Child was being made, they're like, oh, we got to get this movie out. And as fast as possible, we have to actually get into theaters before The Golden Child. You know, so let's hire, we'll hire John Carpenter. John Carpenter, you make this movie, but you have to make it really fast. You can't take any time on it because we need it in the theaters before this movie. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to step on uh, a lot of your reveals here, but mm-hmm. it's just one. You know, it makes me think of like there's some obvious ones that, and I'm not going to say what they are because okay. you're probably going to do those. Uh, where you go like, oh, that's a big idea that sounds exciting. That's great, uh, but it always like surprises me when like we got a couple of Truman Capote biopics. <laughs> I'm like, well, who wanted one of those? <laughs> and we got like a handful. What the hell are we doing? But okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's weird. Is is it? Is it related to the zeitgeist, like just to the general times? I think so. 
Or is it the studios trying to one-up each other and compete with each other and be like, well, they can't just, you know, it just seems weird, right? Like, why are I these- think this, it's, it's, uh, I think it's like with comedians where they'll go on stage and you go like, geez, they're all doing basically the same thing. And it's like something happened that triggered them all. And I mean, triggered in the old timey way, uh, triggered them all and like set their brains to something. And then they all ended up in a similar spot with those ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're not ripping off each other or trying to top each other. It's just, they all saw something happen. There was an earthquake. I was like, oh, earthquakes, disasters. Oh, boy, you know what a disaster. Hey, a good disaster would be a fill in the blank with a disaster that's not an earthquake. Okay. And now you end up with two movies that are all about tidal waves. And it's like, wait, wait, man, where'd this come from? But uh, please go ahead. Um, so when I'm just kind of skipping ones that I, I just feel like there's, there was Jezebel and Gone with the Wind that both okay. came out in the same time. But I think, you know, other than being like a couple of like... Being based in the south, they were not really like like each other. Like Gone with the Wind is obviously like a huge Technicolor, like you know, you know, big production. One of those sort of like movies that toured around and had an overture and all that kind of stuff. And Jezebel's is like a black and white drama of you know bad behavior, but which is they're both about bad behavior. But I don't know if my mom realized that when she made us watch it when we were kids. Oh, I thought when she named you Jezebel. Yes. Then went. You know what? After seeing the movie, Dave. <laughs> My mom loved that movie. Really? Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Gone yeah. with the Wind, yeah. Just loved it. I know, that's... Uh, and yeah. I've, you know, watching it, <clears throat> that's my reaction. Was, yeah. These are really awful people. Oh, they're terrible people. Doing awful things. Like, yeah. There's that one scene where you just see the amount of people who are injured or dead. And you go like, jeez. And like, imagine seeing that on a movie screen. Yeah. You've never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yikes. You talk about that scene where everyone's like laying in the yeah. roadway. and then yeah. that's a, That was a matte painting. Was it? Yeah. It's impressive. There's only like two or three actual people. that they're just, What? Just so they can move a little bit. But the rest of them are all just painted. I got to like throw my hands up and go amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, isn't I it? wondered about that because, you know, whenever I see those movies, like the old timey movies like uh, Ten Commandments, which you haven't seen, you should see. <laughs> I, I, I do go like... All the costumes. Mm. Just the costumes. Where do you keep all the costumes? What are the bathrooms like? How many <laughs> bathrooms do you have? Like, how do you do this? How do you feed all these people? It's insanity. Often the crowd, the crowd scenes are matte painting. So yeah. they'll just have... Uh, it's very hard to feed a matte painting. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> you just throw potatoes at it. <laughs> you don't have to feed it anything. Yeah. It's funny. I made... I didn't make... Well, I guess probably made her. I made Eve... I'll just say I made her. I forced Eve at sure. gun, gunpoint. It was a pellet gun but still it's unfair of me but i made her watch a, a like a little documentary about matte painting which she actually found quite fascinating just like how it you know things that look so and look they look yeah, so yeah. real it's amazing because you know they look so real because you're not paying that much attention to them they, it's it's pretty artful the way they're used right like there's that great scene at the end of the birds where the camera pulls back and there's the fire at the gas station and stuff like that that's, that's a matte painting mm. it has elements that are real that are happy you know, that have movement and stuff like that but everything else around it is just painted in I think we're also set to cut stories slack. You yeah. know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't question stories consistently through things. You know, you're watching a movie, you're, you're into it. And, you know, there's something that's not, you know, mm-hmm. totally realistic. You buy it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. And then later they go, that wasn't real. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't a realistic tree at all. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it was. Why? Because I'm cutting it some slack. Yeah. I'm just relaxing my brain. I'm into it. I'm watching it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to sweat it. Uh, one here is Doctor Strangelove and Failsafe coming out in the same year. Okay, nineteen sixty four. But once again, 
the times, you know, like that was what everyone was thinking about at that time was that nuclear annihilation was at hand and we're all going to die with a fiery para- blaze. Yeah. Were there parallels to this and say Broadway, like uh, something like uh, Godspell and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar? Yeah. That's, Seems- that's mentioned in here as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're mentioning it as a film, but mm-hmm. like, you know, both of them had their origins on yeah, stage. Yeah. So, you know, was that a thing where we both come out with our musicals about Lincoln? You know? <laughs> yeah. And because I think if you look back at that time period, there was like, it was kind of like the last time. I mean, you know, North American society, and I'm, I'm accepting, you know, like, you know, but as a, as a mass was pretty homogenous, you know. And so that was sort of the last time that was like that. Mm-hmm. And there was this weird kind of like religious revival that happened near the end of the 60s. Yeah, I wondered about that. Like, why did Jesus all of a sudden take off? Like, uh, yeah. And we're like, we got to make an up to date uh, Smash Broadway thing. I think it was nostalgia for one thing. Like, people, you reject reject your childhood because everyone would have gone to church at that time, right? Like, it's pretty rare that, you know, that your dad would have been like, or your mom and dad would have like flouted all social convention and not gone to church, even if they weren't like, really into it yeah both were 71 same yeah year. yeah even if you weren't really into it you know if you're kind of like uh, whatever you still went because you're all your neighbors did and if you didn't people would look as- askance at you and if you if you ran a store in town you don't want people to like think of you as like you know well, that guy he doesn't even believe in god you know i'm not going to his before then store. it would have been considered sacrilegious to depict jesus you know, as a musical theater character oh. on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, but by that point, because, you know, there was enough loosening mm-hmm. of social <laughs> that, you know, hey, it's a good story. Yeah. What's yeah. It, what, what does it go? It's, you know, it's a person that's persecuted, is very sure. loving, uh, betrayed, and then uh, killed. And then, yeah. hey, twist ending, comes back. You know what? Broadway loves an encore. This guy's got an encore built right into the story. Yeah. Boom. It's back. Fantastic. Yeah. But, but I mean, that was the age of the Jesus freak. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean like someone who's really into Jesus. That meant hippies who were drifting away from this lifestyle that obviously had a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, drug addiction and all these other problems that were cropping up at that time as drugs got harder and harder. And so people started to drift away from the, this idea of like you know hippiness and the, this dropping out and all that kind of ideas not being very great. And so they started to look back as idea of traditional values and things. And that's why like born again Christianity comes up in that time period it didn't really exist before then it's really like a product of the 60s and a product and it really preyed on people who were like exhausted and kind of cast adrift by the by the the 60s or looking for something to you know grasp grasp that felt you know had some sort of you know whatever like gave their life some purpose or some some shape and that's what they grabbed grabbed onto you know and they become part of this but what's weird about it is it's a really like moralistic unforgiving really strict thing as well and i guess that also appealed to them because they were coming out of something that was amoral and not strict not rigid and it was all kind of about free your mind and stuff like that it's uh it's interesting uh godspell messed me up as a kid uh that that movie a lot uh and uh victor garber who plays jesus in it was also in the version of uh godspell that everyone from sctv and saturday night live yeah yeah. was in so it's like this you know, amazing version. Yeah, uh, he's currently like the lead in a uh, a show that was uh, created by a friend of mine. Okay, and it's weird to me that like she has to give him notes, and like you're giving Jesus <laughs> Jesus notes. Can't give Jesus notes. It's okay. very strange. Anytime like she posts a picture where the two of them are together, it's just like 
no, this is weird. It's weird to me. He, he was yeah. in a he was in a, a Toronto group called the Lollipop Shop before he was a. So he already was like he was. If that had taken off, he wouldn't have become Jesus. Oh, okay. They didn't really didn't really make it outside of Canada or even in Canada. Here, here's some uh, nerdy trivia for you. Uh, what DC superhero is he half of? Victor Garber. Mm-hmm. Is it? If the clue is in what I just said. <laughs> he's half of this uh, DC superhero. But isn't there that guy who's like he's like uh, flames or whatever? Yeah. Is yeah, that a, you're on the right track for sure. 100% yeah. on because the right Because hair track. is kind of flaming yeah, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. I don't know his name, though. I'm Firestorm. Sorry. Firestorm, okay, yeah. Because he's not... It's kind of like Thor, the original Thor, where you're... Like, the doctor, whatever his name was, is kind of like the container for Thor. The idea he behind... He doesn't become... Like, he doesn't... Like, he's not like Peter Parker, who, like, puts on a costume and changes into Dr. Spider-Man. Don Blake, yeah. Uh, uh, was, okay. So, with Thor in the, in the original <laughs> comic, yeah. uh, he was arrogant... His dad went, uh, you're too arrogant. I'm sending you to Earth. Yeah. And you're going to forget who you are. And you're going to just be this guy. And by the way, uh, your leg doesn't work good. So he had to have a cane. Yeah. And then he became a doctor. That's interesting. He became mm. a doctor. Or he just went to Earth with the knowledge of being a doctor. Yeah, I guess that's it's weird the way it goes. <laughs> anyway, he would hit the stick down and yeah. Uh, yeah, he would uh, become Thor. I see. But he didn't know originally that he was Thor for the I longest see. time. And then yeah. he actually found the stick. Bang thing! Oh, I'm Thor. accidentally banged it. Accidentally banged it. Whereas, whereas, and I want to. I will. I swear. Get back to your topic. <laughs> uh, but Firestorm. The situation was. It was uh, 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 Martin. Doctor Martin's not Strom. Something. Uh, anyway, and uh, there was a, a jock kid, uh, Ronnie Raymond, and uh, there was a nuclear accident because uh, the scientists didn't do a good job. Merged them together, and they became Firestorm. So uh, the kid uh, had control of the body, but. Uh, uh, the the wise professor was in his brain going, Ronnie, that's not what you should do. Come on, professor. Cut me some slack. <laughs> like, Ronnie, we got to save people. I don't want to. I don't like it. Uh. Hmm. And uh, that was the adventures of Firestorm. Can't believe that character didn't take off. Uh, he was in Super Friends in the 70s, so that's about as popular as you get, I guess. Or maybe 80s. I don't remember him. I think it would be 80s. I don't remember him in... He was in Challenge of the Super Friends, which is the uh, Super Friends that has Cyborg in it, which is the reason that Cyborg's in all the Justice League stuff now, because everyone grew up with Cyborg and and Super Friends is like, oh, he's a Justice League character. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to the movies that are similar. Okay. (laughs) Avengers and Justice League. Movies that are similar. Sometimes they even have the same director. (laughs) That's how similar they are. Uh, In 1968, Yours, Mine, and Ours... Okay. And then a movie with a weird title. Maybe it'll never get remade, I don't I think with this title. With six you get an egg roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or actually with six you get egg get roll. Get egg roll, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. Uh they remade yours, mine and ours, I know that. With um with uh, the good looking Quaid brother. Was six with six you get egg roll that must have been a book first. I would think so. I think both maybe both of them were. Yeah. Because they're also cheaper by the dozen. Very much cheaper by the dozen, yeah. There's another one, too, with like the dad who's an efficiency expert. Yeah, that sounds cheaper by the dozen sounds almost like a par- more of a parallel title wise mm-hmm. to with six you get egg roll. It's, like, just, it's, I don't bo- think it's both it about you get a good deal. Came in, came out earlier, though. Yeah. So that might have just inspired that, because that, uh, that was a very successful film. So maybe they're just like, well, they can make a big make a movie. Because there's also one with, with uh, Lucille Ball. Or is this is one of these with Lucille? Because there's Lucille Ball and I think Henry Fonda. Are in a movie together where they where their families are blended. Okay, 
if I remember correctly. I don't know if it's one of those films. I, I, I'm not familiar with them. All right. With six, with six, yeah, there's, there's no way this isn't a book. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe it's not a book. Eh, it wasn't a book. It shows, shows what I know. With six, you get egg roll. Yeah, that was uh, Doris Day and Brian Keith and Barbara Hershey and George Carlin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, who just passed away recently, Pat Carroll. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Best known as Ursula from The Little Mermaid, but who was uh, basically the, the the comedy sidekick of every every stand up comic there was. If you if if you look up Cliff Nesteroff and Pat Carroll, and he wrote like a bunch of good stuff about her. Okay, and just like she was one of the workingest comic uh, actors ever. Oh really? Yeah, you lo- you look at her resume and just go shit. <laughs> she was in everything, absolutely everything. Yeah. that's interesting that Carlin was in that. Hmm. Neat. In nineteen seventy eight. There was Corvette Summer. With Mark Hamill. And Annie Potts. Really? Annie Potts? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, right, right, right. And right. the same year, Stingray, which is another Corvette movie. Okay. Which is weird. Once again, though. Is Stingray okay? I've never seen Stingray. I have seen Corvette Summer. Mm-hmm. So it's the only... Everyone's f- accidentally seen Corvette Summer. It's the only film that uh, Mark Hamill made outside of the Star Wars films, I would think. I don't think he's made any of their movies. Like, any of the... Guy, I'm not including the Batman movie. If there's like a Batman, no, 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 thing. Guy Guyver, I think he also made. What's it called? Guyver. Guyver. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, G U. Uh, yeah, G U Y V E R. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's the, whatever Guyver is. He's <laughs> like a robot cyborg type okay. thing. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I think it was after doing Corvette Summer that he had his terrible car accident and right that uh, broke his face. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, let me just uh, uh now you got me curious about uh his filmography. Uh so yeah, it was uh yeah, Star Wars then Corvette Summer. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing between between those. And then uh, uh the night the lights went out in Georgia. Okay. Britannia Hospital. Oh, oh Britannia Hospital. Okay. Yeah. Um uh, Return of the Jedi. Obviously. The last of the trilogy, the Lindsay Anderson Slipstream. Trilogy. Uh, Midnight Ride, The Giver. There okay. we go. Okay, okay. that's right. Well, he's done a lot more than I thought. Uh, uh, he's in Sleepwalkers, Time mm. Runner. Uh, that was a direct to DVD though. <laughs> uh, Village of the Damned with John Carpenter. Yeah, that uh, he was Reverend George, Laserhawk, <laughs> and and others and others. Huh. And we'll just like nod our head and go, "Works work." <laughs> yep, works. Yeah, work, works indeed. work. Nothing's wrong with work, and work is work. Work, 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 work. Uh, in 1979, one of my favorite films is a, a young person. The Warriors came out. Okay, which I've not seen yet. Played the video game a bit, but I haven't. Okay, I love that movie. And then The Wanderers came out, but they're both they're very different films. The Warriors is a fa- as a is a Fantasia. It's a gang. Yeah, it's an imaginary movie. And like, The Wanderers is about a folk music group. It's about, <laughs> it, the Wanderers is more like a realistic. I put that in quotation marks, but a realistic view of gang life of the fifties. I think it's like a period piece, whereas the Warriors is, takes place in a, a you know then current New York City, but it's still it's still like a you know just like a it's just a, a make em ups. It's there's like nothing realistic about it in the least. It's just full of impossible things, but it's great. It's a fantastic movie. It'd be it's, fun to it's very uh, visceral. Be fun to like uh, go back to it now and just go where are they now. Who the all, all the all the all the all the gang members and just mm. like you know. Well, one yeah. of them went on to a pretty good career. Oh, I mean, like uh, the characters. Oh, I see. Oh, and 
<laughs> yes, nothing good happened. To yeah, me. just like you know, just just them talking. Like now that it's in the two thousand ways. What was it like when you were young? Oh, it was a very different city. <laughs> yeah, it was very different well, what did you do? Well, I would dress up like a baseball player, <laughs> and I would go out uh, looking to kill people. Yeah, really. We're yeah, in, but you know what? Wait, the, you're missing 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 one really important part that? of that. Wearing kiss makeup. Yeah. It wasn't just I went out and yeah. You I, would, Grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you got to spend of, two hours in front of a mirror applying pancake makeup. This sounds this sounds awful, Grandpa. No, no. But what you don't realize, yeah, the pizza was great. Things were better. <laughs> it was before Giuliani shut down the porno theaters. We have the best water. It was the days. best water, which made the for the best bagels. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you you couldn't believe it. it was a very different time. And it was it yeah. was it was a great time. You don't understand. You understand. So every, you'd go out and every subway car people. Every yeah, subway yeah. car a piece of work. A piece of art, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and listen. Uh, we didn't murder people. Sure, sure, there were occasional accidental deaths. Yeah. But that wasn't the purpose of it. When I hit someone with a bat, I just wanted to concuss them. You know, maybe break an arm. Yeah, give I wasn't looking to, to kill anyone. New York this memory. Was, this was all in fun. You have to understand. We weren't. We weren't playing. We were doing it for kicks. Yeah, this was this was great times. Yeah, kicks. You know, keep getting harder. Laughs ahoy. You know, to be honest, our gang. You know, the Furies, obviously. We sucked. We were terrible. Like a, a gang of, you know, young kids who had no weapons could easily defeat us. But, you know, it was okay. It was fun. It wasn't about win or lose. Then. It wasn't. A, it was know, about the game. It was, it, about, it well, was about the adventure. You know, when you're a loser, it's never about winning. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's, it, was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about winning at all. I mean, years later, uh, the, the city became infested with ghosts. <laughs> uh, and at that point, it just felt like, yeah. well, let's wrap it up. Became the infected. writing's on the wall. Exactly. It became infected by ghosts and geckos, mm-hmm. the two things together. Yeah. And, and you know, don't get me started on the chuds, which the mayor <laughs> kept saying, I'm taking care of the chuds, and we'd vote for the mayor. And they'd be like, well, 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 there's still the chud problem. Yeah. There's a major chud problem. You know what this is going to lead to? Ninja turtles. Yeah. This is what we're going to get. We're going to get ninja turtles in the sewers. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> It was a different time. It was a different anyway, time. enjoy your M and M store. <laughs> I love that there's an M and M store. Uh, so silly. That's what. That's one of those things that bugs New Yorkers is when you go like, uh, yeah, it was in Times Square. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the M and M store was. Shut up. <laughs> there's an M and M store in uh, yeah. Times Square. Shut up. Yeah, it is. It does. It is. You know, they got picnic tables there. You could just sit down and have your M and M's from the M and M store. Any color you want. Yeah. And just sit down at the picnic table sure. in Times Square. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Oh, Same. what's wrong? You don't like it now? Yeah. New Yorkers look at that and they're just like, one day a rain's going to come and yeah. wash the scum <laughs> off the street. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that acid rain? Remember that? Oh, that was great stuff. It would burn your skin. I miss that shit. You kids got too much ozone now. <laughs> in 1981, The Howling. Okay. Wolfen and an American werewolf. A lot in, of werewolf shit. Yeah, that was the, that was the year of the werewolf. Yeah, they didn't want vampires you, at all. Do you know why that was the year of the werewolf? This is my theory, anyway. Is that Rick Baker had perfected like this technique of of the transformation mm. to yeah, such yeah, a point yeah. that it just seemed irresistible to like use it in a movie. And the reason you know that is that the transformation sequence in American Werewolf in London yeah. takes about 45 minutes. That's the thing. Like, this is the big fucking problem. With wow! <laughs> crunch, yeah. crunch, 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 snap, a crack, a pop. <laughs> this is the problem I've got with that. Yeah. It's like, okay. So it's like, oh, there's werewolves. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible, werewolves. Uh, okay. Say you're a Van Helsing type. Yeah. Okay, so you're a Van Helsing, you know, werewolf, vampire, slayer type. Uh, the time to kill the werewolf 
is yeah, in the forty five minutes it's changing from one thing to another and going, <laughs> yeah. ow. Right? And every yeah, I mean Or it, even better, yeah, when it's changing back. Mm. Wait it out. Yeah. Cause like if it's taken forty five minutes to change into, it's gonna take forty five minutes to change back. Yeah. And while he's like turning weaker, <laughs> stabby stabby. That's your time. I've never seen Wolfen. Have you seen Wolfen? No. Have you seen The Howling? Probably. It's a good movie. Like it, you More know, than likely. I think it's Joe Dante who directed uh, oh, The Howling. Okay. And I think American Werewolf in London is somewhat successful. I find I find it's it's kind of neither fish nor fowl. Like it's not scary enough and it's not funny enough. It kind of falls right. in between two. Stools. When was uh, in the Company of Wolves? When was it in, in the Company of Wolves? Yeah, was that? It was also eighties, but it was later on in the eighties. Okay. I think. Okay. Because that's more like a fairy tale take on it, isn't it? Like kind of like a yeah. What a if fairy tales were real or something? But that was the one that was. Uh, you open your mouth and the wolf's uh, snout comes out of your mouth. That deal. Well, they, did, then, they like, did that in uh, they did that in American Werewolf too. Did they? Yeah, and like the he, skin just falls off. I don't know if they went quite that. That's way. with that, what they yeah. went with. Like, there's a wolf inside you, and yeah, like, yeah, uh, your very skin symbolic. Falls off, yeah. Very symbolic. That was the sort of movie though that people. I remember when I worked at the parking lot by the where the movie theaters were. We we were getting like these huge rushes of people coming out, and I was like, "Well, this is unusual because we don't. These movies are usually tend to be kind of." art house films that don't get the biggest audiences and i asked him i said well what movie did you see they went oh we went and saw in the company of wolves like oh okay and there's like tons of people who were going to see it so it was a popular mm-hmm. like a bit of a art house um, yeah because it was hit. also a werewolf movie so, so yeah yeah <laughs> people but well uh what's what's nice about all those films other than having to to you know wait the interesting thing okay the howling <laughs> uh is rob botine who did the effects for the thing the John Carpenter film. Okay, Can't so he was a, he was an acolyte of Rick Baker. So he he took things he learned from Rick Baker and he he used them in the Howling for his for his transformation sequence, which is different than what Rick Rick Baker did to his credit. It's not like the same thing. He has his own kind of style, but it's still like interminable. And you're like, well, you know, like I'm, it's kind of like like I'm not that really big into monkeys. So when I watch a movie where it's all about monkeys and people and people are obviously very excited by it, I'm just kind of like, I don't understand because I don't. I'm not like, I don't really like monkeys very much. I don't okay. understand why people are so excited by this movie. They could, they could take over the world, I guess. That's great, I suppose, but it seems kind of inconvenient. I don't know why you guys are so excited about this. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what's nice about the films, though, is that each of them are different. The, like of The Howling and American Werewolf in London, like they're not the same film. Like you could say they're both about werewolves. But that's fine. Like it's be like complaining that someone making two spy movies in one year. Like they're both different films. Like they're not copying each other. They're doing their own thing. Right. You know, one is about like it's got Patrick Mc, uh, McNee in it. Is that the name, Patrick? The guy from the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And his, his thing is like, I think you're right with the name. Yeah, that sounds right. And he his thing is like, um, it's been a while since I saw this. Oh no, I just saw this before a little while ago. Uh, <laughs> forgot about that. Because um, I was kind of curious about seeing it again. I'd only seen it in home videos, so I was kind of like, well, let's watch it again and see how it holds up. And it held it pretty well. It did. And so the idea is that these people are like kind of lured to this resort. Or like a, I wouldn't call it a resort. It's more like a, um, like a meditation center kind of place where you're going to f- discover the inner, you know, beast in you or whatever. Well, really, it just means you're going to get bitten. And then the idea is that Pat McNeese character is that we can learn to control this part of ourselves oh, okay. and integrate it in society. And then there's other ones who are like, oh no, oh. we're wild beasts and we want to kill people, you know. And then that that's the one that kind of wins out in the. And then um, it has a good kind of dark ending to the film as well. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I, just I think looked, it's, personally, I think it's better than American Wolf. I, I just looked at Wolfen and saw that it was a, a crime horror. 
Okay. Uh, and uh, the poster looks like it was done in uh, junior high school. Yeah, I just remember feeling like not all, not didn't seem as great. Not a lot of it? effort. Put yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And maybe that kind of turned me off in the video store because these are movies I would have watched on home video because I would never, never in a million years be allowed to go to these movies in the theater. <laughs> uh, my mom was just not. I remember uh, her coming down and turning off the TV when we were watching a really like low budget, you know, horror movie, the day, the day of the animals. Where animals start attacking people. Okay. And it's it's an awful movie. It's it's made for a dollar. Yeah. And but she came down and she's just like, "You guys are on the ceiling. You're just on the ceiling." She would just get so worked up if we were worked up. I mean, to be fair, after we watched the Warriors, my brothers and I did did start wrestling each other because <laughs> we were so so overexcited by this this action movie. But yeah, it's. Uh, I just feel like you know, not that I would uh, give your mom advice. It's just be like. Uh, <laughs> All right, so you watch those movies, and I just push you in the pool. I'm like, work it out, work it out in the pool. Do some laps. Hit hit the old uh, hit the old pool. Slap it around in there. You'll be fine until you're tired. Yeah, then go to bed. <laughs> uh, in 1985, okay, another three movies: Weird Science, mm-hmm. Real Genius, and My Science Project all came out. Yeah. So the, the teen what? geek comedy they describe it here. Right. Uh... But once again, all. I imagine all different films, none of them are like copying each other. They just happen to be using this. Basically, what it is is like. My science project, I'm trying to. I'm trying I don't to know. It. I have not seen any of these films, to be I, honest I with have. You. Real Genius is one of my favorite movies. Uh, my science project. Yeah, I didn't like teen movies as a teen. I don't. I maybe. I just felt they were kind of condescending. My science project. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It was. Oh, it was also the same year as Back to the Future. Okay. Yeah, you're leaving that one out, which is another... they're not. They're not because they have Back to the Future as. Um, let me just look, see here. Back to the Future and Peggy Sue got married in 1986. They they claim Back to the Future, so it's weird. Right. Yeah, I guess because they're both time travel. That's true. Yeah. But it's also crazy mad science. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really like a teen geek movie. Like the Michael J. Fox character isn't like a. An event, an inventor, or like a science kid. You know what? Even though I know what you're saying that they both, they all have science in them. I'm just looking at the cover uh, or for my science project, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's a thing of like uh, you've got an invention that's amazing that's going to change everything. Yeah, and there, it changes their lives, and there's that thing. Yeah, uh, real genius is a kind of a coming of age. Uh, thing in a genius school uh, that's way better than it should fucking be. Okay. Like, way better than it should be. It's one of those 80s movies that you can actually watch now and go, oh. Huh. Hmm. And not, and you're waiting for the scene. <laughs> you're waiting for it. Yeah. And you're waiting for it. And there's there's even like a moment where like they, they have like a pool party in a gym and everyone's in bikinis and you're like, someone's going to lose the bikini top and they're <laughs> going to be peeking at the... No. It's all it's good. Uh, but do you have any female characters that have their own agency? And like, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and <laughs> just keeps going. It's like, sure. It's it should be way way worse than it is. Way yeah. way way worse than it's it's better. And again, that's one of those ones that PJ Torquefay wrote. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Weird Science is basically a. Uh, it's not a science movie. Uh, yeah. In any way, it's a genie movie. It's basically find a genie. Okay. You got a sexy genie. And you're like, oh, can we have sex with a genie? No, because the genie's got her act together too much. Yeah. <laughs> but she's going to help you little kids. You guys get late. Little kids get late. Sounds awful. <laughs> but like, you know, you little nerds. Well, to her, they're little kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, now looking back, it's like, you kind of are. But like, you nerds get laid. Yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, yeah, there you go. But of course, you know, they can't because, yeah. you know, there's rules. 
You've made um, you've made me interested in real genius, but I, I, the other ones I'm not that interested in. Yeah, that's probably for the best. I don't I'm really sure like my that, science uh... my science project. Looking at the poster, the poster is Ghostbusters. Mm. You know, mm. they're, uh, they're it's, yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, Back to the Future. Peggy Sue got married. I've never seen Peggy Sue. I mean, I have seen Peggy Sue oh. got married, but I think it was it is kind of like. It just sort of ruled off me like a water off a duck's back. I give know? it a second chance, I think, okay. as an adult. Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah. And, and uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner yeah. yeah. Kathleen Turner playing herself as a teenager, but as an adult. Okay. And it's like, pretty good acting job on that. And yeah, okay. Nick Cage is uh, very uh, good in it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, it's better than you expect oh. it to be. Interesting. Directed uh, so his nephew in a... Yeah, that's right. I was going to go. It's his <laughs> uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Back to the Future is a movie I do not like very much. That's all right. Didn't like it at the time. Thought it was racist. So. Okay. Um, it's a lot of ists. You, yeah. can, you can go with plenty of it. <laughs> plenty of ists. Did not like that part of it. Um, turn- it's one of the best uh, incest comedies of the 80s, I'd say. No one has sex. That is incest. But uh, no one has sex. only because, no one has uh, sex. you know. No one has sex. Um, Does it have to? Do you, do you have to have sex for it to be an incest yes, comedy? Yes, incest is sexual relationship. It can't just be your uh, mom uh, uh, panting trying, after you. Yeah, trying no. get, hopping in bed with you and no. uh, wanting to make out. No. Okay. You <laughs> got to go full Oedipus. You have to go full, full on sex. Okay. Yes, that is the definition of incest. Well, you know, if uh, mistaken identities or conf- or farcical things that happen, those sort of things is not incest. Okay comedy because it's pretty common uh still common in humor still weird at the end to hire uh your uh your uh girlfriend's attempted rapist to work on your car yeah that is it's a little weird yeah different times hey i'm not gonna defend the film different times i don't like it it's the same crimes i was so mad when i watched that movie and he's like just copying like chuck berry and then starts doing jimmy hendrix and i'm like oh great a white guy invented those things yeah we had to take it away from people Yep. Good job, movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is just my nerdy problem. It's yeah. like at the end of like, where we're going, we won't need roads. Next movie, tons of roads. <laughs> Main scenes take place on the roads. They got roads. They completely have roads. You won't need roads, yeah. but you got roads. Didn't they go back to the back back to the future? Didn't they go into the Old West or something like that? Uh, third film. Second oh. film, they went, uh, your kids! Yeah. And they went to see the, the kids. And uh, yeah, they went to the future where they won't need roads. Mm. Roads. Tons of roads. <laughs> I guess that's your budget. Your budget it did not include getting rid of roads in Los Angeles. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, you thought like, oh, this is going to be full Jetsons. <laughs> Still skateboarding around. Yep. I've never seen those films. I've never seen two and three. Just because I didn't like two one. Two fun. And a really good uh, Joe Flaherty uh, role oh. that uh, he's oh. recreated many times now since. <laughs> um, 1989, Turner and Hooch and K9. And once again, I've not seen these films, so. Well, I cannot I mean, discuss them as dog Hooch, films. But canine. Oh, canine with uh, Jim Belushi and the dog. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen both of them. Fine. It's a dog. You pay one actor and uh, you, know, <laughs> you don't pay the dog as much. You pay you the get, dog handler, though. But I guess he doesn't get that much you, money. Well, you get like, you get probably like five dogs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, there's the dog and then probably you kill the dog and then you have the dog have puppies and they go, Jesus Christ, there's Hudson and Rex on TV now and Turner and Hooch. Yeah. We're back to a, 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 a cop and dog, uh, sure. two cop and dog things on television. Do do the dogs die in, in those films? I don't want to say, but oh, of okay. course they do. Oh, I didn't know they that. They must. That's How sad. could they not? 
I don't know. It just feels... How do you get puppies at the end otherwise? (laughs) Well, you don't get puppies by the dogs dying. They're not... Is that where puppies come from? No, it does not. When you kill a dog and then it it explodes into puppies? (laughs) It does not work that way. Well, that's my mistake. (laughs) They're not caterpillars. Um, My parents had the talk with me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know how grandma's you, dead you weren't yeah. listening so well now there's a there's a bunch of babies in the world yeah oh because grandma died yeah and she explodes into babies that's how, uh, how, how it works that's what you mistook you mistook the idea that how do you, know, you think uh every minute a person dies every minute a person's born you're like oh i see it's related okay. yeah 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 why yeah. wouldn't it be okay makes sense um in 1989 as well uh i didn't realize this movie was from 1989 uh a movie that's three quarters great the Abyss. And, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And another movie that's, I don't know, pretty schlocky, I think, but Leviathan. Okay. Wasn't, okay. I think The Abyss, Wasn't up until Leviathan a certain point. like a, not, uh, like, I'm confusing it. I'm confusing, like, Jaws and the Deep. Yeah. Uh, what was Leviathan about? It's like a sea monster. It's been a while since I saw it, saw it but it's like a, I think it has Peter Weller in it, and there's like a under, undersea station, and then there's like a monster. Okay. That's my that's my recollection of it. Okay, so that's, that's how much it stuck in my mind. Fair enough. Are you looking right. it up? You and looking this up? is when eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay, Leviathan. How did the uh, science fiction horror film uh, directed by George uh, P. Uh, uh, Cosmatos? Oh, okay. All right. There you also Peter, directed Peter Tombstone, Wellers. I think. Yeah. The theme was released. Uh, film was released around the same time as you know the Abyss mm-hmm. and yeah what the other film Deep Star Six. Oh, that was the same time as well. Yeah. They missed that one. Hmm. And people said it was a bit of a ripoff of Alien and the Thing. Yes, I guess that would be, would be the... Uh, it's, it's kind of... and But it, this wasn't that impressive of a monster. Yeah, it's an underwater geograph, uh, geological uh, facility stalked uh, by a hideous mutant creature. Mm. Yes, hideous mutant creature. Uh, designed Guy in by suit. Stan Wilson. Winston. Winston, of course. Yes, he's well known as a... For Terminator do, and Jurassic Park and yeah. Edward Scissorhands. And yeah. Yeah. Wait, he didn't. I do I love the Abyss. That's a movie I could watch like any time. It was on TV. If TV still existed, where you just kind of in the afternoon and you turn it on and there's a movie on. Yeah, and it was the Abyss. I would just sit and watch it. Did you watch both the endings? I've seen the I've seen the extended James yeah. Cameron. Does I, it make it better? Or David had it on Laserdisc, and I remember he and he and he and his girlfriend at the time and 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 Paul. They all went over to like the band. If I went over to Victoria to do some shows there. And then his mom was away at the same time, so he asked if I wouldn't mind camping out of the house just to keep an eye on things. And so it was fine because I got to watch the, the Abyss on Laserdisc, and I, and I watched the the big the big long version. But I do not like the alien part of it. I don't think it's any better the making it longer. Mm-hmm. I just don't because it's one of those films that gives you like this real tragic moment. You know, yeah. spoilers. Ed Harris has to go down to the bottom of the sea to dis, dis, defuse a, a, a nuclear bomb that's gone down there. And it's a it's a suicide mission. And that's like, we're told that. We get his going down, we get his reconciliation with his wife, his, his um, you know, his coming to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Coming to accept it, it, the fact that he's going to die, that there's no, no way out of this. And he gets down there and then it's a kind of a gripping sequence where he can't see the colors of the the wiring because he's under sea and he's got pink stuff <laughs> in, his, in his helmet yeah. and then uh but he he finally cuts the right one and it's phew, everything's good and then he's just like okay well it's been a great life i love you all but, you know and then you're like oh it's so sad and then some fucking aliens show up they look like happy faces and you're like 
this movie just ripped, ripped me off because I was totally invested in what was happening to this person. Mm-hmm. You know, I was totally invested in his accepting what happened to him. It was so, it was so heroic and wonderful. And then, no, it's just like cheaps it out. They just throw in this Deus Ex happy face in a that shows up and takes him to the surface. And then you're just like, blah. Okay. Dumb. You rip, rip me off movie. This is cheap a, ending, not earned. This is where they had that liquid that you could breathe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that cool. stuff always the, freaked me out. The rat in it and rats yeah, yeah, doing yeah, fire, which is real. And yeah, that's yeah. a weird thing. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> it's real. It's a weird day for the rat. And I don't, I don't have any answers because the film has some fast, fantastic sequences with the alien creatures. Um, you know, the 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 water spout that come, yeah. comes up and, and that later forms. kind of uh, led into Terminator Two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was part of the technology for the. To, yeah. Led on that way, and even the way they kind of cheated it as well. Like they just figured out ways to cheat uh, how 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 to make it work, you know. Like, and yeah, they just didn't, they only had so much time to do these things. So you have to reach a point where you're kind of like, well, we could spend another year trying to figure out how to like get a pers- person's face to show up in here, or you know what, just superimpose a photograph over it. That works too. That's fine. Yeah. No one's gonna care. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a great film. Great performances from like Ed Harris and uh, Michael Bean and uh, that. What's her Master Antonio? I can't remember her first first name. I'm, I'm sorry oh, okay. to say, but uh, yeah, just great. And then like all the supporting cast are fantastic in it as well. Uh, Mary Elizabeth. Yeah, Mary Master Elizabeth Master Antonio. Antonio. Yeah, she's great. And yeah, there's so many good like the scene where he like throws his his wedding ring in the toilet, and then he's like, "Nope, can't do this," and it reaches in into it and grabs it out. And of course, then his hands blue for a large part of the film because he's got the dye on his hand. Yeah. And there's a scene later on where it saves his life because the door almost closes, but it's the ring. Stops the door from closing completely, and he's able to like force it open to get through. Ah. Just little things like that that pay off, and it's just such a good film. And it's just unfortunate that to me it it uh, cheaps out on the end and gives you a happy ending where one is not earned. You know, like you really you really settled on this idea that this guy is is going to die. I mean, not that I look forward to people dying, but when someone does something heroic, you know, and like you know jumps in goes into a house to save a baby and throws it out the window, you know, and every, people catch it down below, and he's like, I'm so you know what. And then he's engulfed in flames, and there's no way out, and stuff like that. And suddenly, like a genie shows up and says, "You have one wish." You're know, like, "What? what the, where did this come from? It's stupid." Oh, Boo. It was the kids from Weird Science. Boo. They could have been, the, they could have been the ones. <laughs> I want. You have to earn. You have to earn your ending in a movie, whether it's happy or sad. You've got to earn it. I am so curious as to how um, uh, uh, Avatar, the the new films, are going to do. You know what? It's James Cameron. I've never seen Avatar because I I've never seen Dances with Wolves, and I refuse to watch the same movie in a different way. Okay. And as part of my like my, my pride is that I went to the 1990s and never saw Dances with Wolves. All right. You know, I'm sure it's a fine movie. It's just that I didn't see it at the time. I avoided it later on. And now I'm, now I'm like a person who, you know, just, you know, I never had like, it's a guy who never had a Big Mac or something, you know, like, why should I try now? Even, I'm sure they're good. I'm sure Big Macs are great, but I'm not going to eat one. Right. You I'm, have had a Big Mac, though. But I have had lots of Big Macs. But, uh, but here's so the thing. So what would you say to that guy who hasn't had a Big Mac? What, I don't. What does it say? Like, if you don't want to have one, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, mm. right? It's just you have never had a Big Mac. That's what the important part of it is. Yeah, it's, that it's, is it's the like key. those people who uh, who say, like, you know, my entire life I've never had a sip of alcohol. Yeah, I've never smoked one cigarette. I've never had a puff of a cigarette. Yeah, I can't I've, say that about alcohol, but I've never smoked a cigarette. Okay, and it's all that stuff, and you just go like, okay, let me tell you what would happen if you did nothing. That is, this is gross. Yeah, it's, gross. Yeah. it's gross. It's mm-hmm. gross. Cigarettes are gross. Yeah. And then you get, kind of go, oh, I understand jazz. <laughs> this makes a lot more sense. 
uh, or you'd like uh, watch a watch an old Humphrey Bogart movie and you yeah. go. Oh, that's what he's tasting. Mm. I got the full sensory uh, thing. I know what's going on here. This all makes sense now. Oh, man. When people smoke in movies, it, I can smell it. Oh, it makes me it. sick. Yeah, it makes, it makes me sick. sick. Yeah. I can smell it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the abyss. Uh, sorry, not the abyss. Uh, yeah. Sorry to go on Avatar for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I'm I'm so fascinated by that damn movie because, again, yeah. it is like the number one movie mm-hmm. that no it one was. Ever, it's not anymore. But no, yeah. no. But what it was for a long period of yeah, time yeah. that no one ever talks about. No mm. one ever brings it up. Yeah. No one ever talks about themes. No one ever does parodies of it. No one ever dresses. There's that great thing about the the writing, the the that? use of the font that Saturday Night Live. Yeah, sketch. yeah, yeah. There was a good Saturday Night Live yeah. s- sketch about the poster. Yeah, you're correct. That is true. Papyrus. Papyrus. Fantastic. <laughs> Gun to your head. Yeah. Uh, aim it at a hundred people and yeah. go name one character from that movie. Name one character from that oh, I, movie. I've never seen it, so I can't. Uh, you, you... No, it doesn't matter. I've seen it. I can't. You can't. You I'm can't. sure there's people who've seen it a lot You've got... and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, at ho- a certain age, uh-huh. I bet you that movie is, uh, has a certain amount of impact. This is what, what interests me. Yeah. Halloween. It's Halloween. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, go to an adult party. Go yeah. to a kid's party. Go see kids on the street trick-or-treating. Yeah. How many Avatar costumes? You're not gonna because, but not a one. But here's the thing: for the most popular movie that there is for a while. But the thing is, yeah, you're not gonna see people. They're they're natives in that in that movie. It'd be like nowadays going to a party dressed as like a Native American. Fair enough. You no, there's other characters. Come as the military. Come as like any of the other freaking characters. But do people love the military characters in it? That just feels. Are they the villains? Well, look at Star Wars. Come as Sigourney Weaver, though. People dress up as every damn obscure Star Wars character there's ever been. They dress as the guy who's got like a a bug face. It's not a moral. Bug face guy. It's not a moral tale like Avatar. No, but it's just ridiculous that like it's the most popular thing that no one ever discusses. Mm -hmm. No one can tell you. Generally, they can't really tell no you. No one in our generation can, but yeah. What generation? Do, like, you work with many generations. Have the fellows at work... I don't know. I'd have to ask them. I would never, I would never the think they're talking about Avatar. The fellows at work will bring up Batman. They will just bring up Batman. Well, yeah, because I have one of the guys at work is a bat, sure. a bat fanatic. He's Absolutely. A, that's fantastic. He's a Batmanatic. Right. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, Avatar did better than that Batman movie. Any doesn't, Batman movie. Doesn't matter. But he's a Batmanatic because of the animated shows, movies. Great. The anima- Or the animated show, I should say. Fantastic. Sounds good. You would expect in your life, mm-hmm. since the movie came out, yeah. you would have someone would go, you know what's a great film? Yeah. Avatar. No one <laughs> has ever said that to you. Yeah, yeah. Weird, right? It's weird. I I don't know. It feels if like there was a food it feels like we're like the wrong... that was the most popular food yeah. in the world. Yeah. And no one ever orders it. No one ever <laughs> orders it. No one ever yeah. thinks of ordering it. Hmm. But it's the most popular food out yeah. there. Yeah. It's weird. You know, it's the most popular band, yeah. and no one's got uh, the album, and no one listens to the songs. But so, it's the most popular. So here's my here's my opinion about both. Um, it's 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 Boxcar Willie. About both those that film, Boxcar Willie. Yeah, you're right. Or Slim Whit- Slim Whitman. Yeah, yeah. yeah sold yeah. more albums than uh, Elvis yeah. or the Beatles combined. Nana Muscuri sold more. Al- what? Who? What? Um, here's the thing. James Cameron is a is a great movie maker. Sure. Like he's just like. Even something that's like okay, like Shoe Lies, mm-hmm. is a great movie. Yeah, it's got people in it. They act, They're and good. they but they do a good job, and it has a good story, and it works, and you know it gets it. It's got a good plot. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the action sequences are good and it's all it's it's paced well and it, it works it works all together. Oh, he was also the sorry, we're we're watching Point Break tonight. Yeah. Which you've never seen before. I've never seen Point Break. Uh, he was the executive producer on it. Because he and Catherine Bigelow were once an item. That's right. And uh, he could put a little bit of, of his Terminator heft behind behind it. A little of that. Give a little of that. Yeah, give a little of that. Boop. Abba boop. Started as a boop. Started as a map painter. That's where James Cameron started oh, boy, in the you movie and your business. Map painting. Why I don't know. you just make the whole damn podcast I, about map painting? Hey, I wanted to bring it around there, but yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure, and I'm sure that Way of the I'm sure Avatar is a good movie, and I'm sure that Way of the Water will also be a good film because it's James Cameron. Are you sure? Are you sure that Avatar is a great movie? I have no idea. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's not. But I'm sure it's. Fu- I'm sure it's. You know what? It's not a great movie. It's not good. No, it's not good. It's not oh, okay. Good okay. No, I will stand by that. It is not a good movie. No, I will say. I will say it is not. Hmm. I would, uh, you know, if you want to watch it sometime. Yep. I don't we'll, really, I'm not really it. that interested in watching That's it. That's all right. Um, in also in 19, well, 1988, 1989, came out around the same time, Dangerous Liaisons and Velmont, the, of course, the original right. version of it, based on the same epistolary novel. What, uh, right. And uh, was there another version of that that came out? Was there one? That there is one out? with, there's like an updated version of Cruel Intentions. That's right, yeah. But I think that was a little later than, right. than these films. And that was with Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. In it. She played Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She did. In it. Yeah. She is acting. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer hired to act in a movie. It's very meta. <laughs> I don't have much to say about it because, once again, I've not seen those films. Okay. But I believe that Uma Thurman uh, was, was introduced to the world in Dangerous Liaisons. Let me say this. Hmm? Or is that Henry and June was the first one? I can't remember. Now. I don't know about that. But I do know that mm. her scene it, literally made the audience gasp. It was one of the it was one of the few kind of like sexy scenes mm. where it was just like, and flip, and <laughs> some stuff happened. And, and, and the audience just went, <gasps> like it just was that. Yeah. It was just, okay. And this was at the Royal Center. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you specifically what theater it was, but it was a fairly small theater. <laughs> they're, they're pretty small, but real small. And, uh, That's where I worked in the parking lot. And yeah, may have, uh, we may have felt like creeps mm. uh, in, in there after that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Did you know she, she was, was a very small room? She was up for the Melanie Griffith's role in um, that movie, Bonfire of the Vanities. Mm. And she and Tom Hanks read together, and it was apparently very good. Very good, very sexy but he decided he was not comfortable acting with her and so they had to go in a different way okay in a way that was not let's admit it it didn't go well did not go well it was not really in the interest yep. of the film and none of them ever worked again <laughs> they did it was fine it's fine they all worked again um there's a good podcast about it that has uh, julie solomon is the host and she's the one who wrote um the book about the bonfire of the vanities i can't remember what it's called now but she was pretty much given like absolute free access to every part of the filmmaking process. Mm. She was allowed to record De Palma. She was allowed to secretly record meetings. It's, it was he knew that she was recording, but the people he was talking to did not know. Mm. And yeah, like he was this giver. Oh, the Devil's Candy. That's what her book's okay. called. And yeah, just in absolute horrible detail. I've read the book, but the podcast is kind of fun too, just because you get to get her. And what's the podcast called? Sorry, it's um through TCM. And so they have like their own podcast. I can't remember what it's called now. They did like a Peter Bogdanovich one. Okay. And then, so they just kind of run like a series of, and I think they're doing uh, one about Lucy, or they did one about Lucy, uh, Lucille Ball. Right. As well, uh, recently. I did not listen to that one yet, though. I'm um, looking for interesting ones that, or ones that interest me here. Robin Hood and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Who, what was the other Robin Hood? I don't know. The, I don't know at all. Okay. The Kevin Costner one kind of over overrode that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
That was a bunch of big hammy acting. When did Men and Oh Men and Tights would have been based on Prince of Thieves, though? Well, Men and Tights was also based on a TV show. Remember the TV show? Oh, the Mel Brooks TV. Yeah, yeah, show I remember that. I like that show a lot. Were, when things were rotten. When things were rotten. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. At least I thought so as a kid. I would came on. I would get home from Cub Scouts and, and I would be able to watch it. If I if Cub Scouts had interfered with uh, me watching when things were rotten, I would have quit Cub Scouts. I did quit Cub Scouts, but I don't think it was related to that. Oh, to me, if a TV show is good, I had to see it. I didn't care about anything else in my life. Because <laughs> I did end up quitting Cub Scouts because it interfered with me watching Emergency. That's a good, good choice. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, any thoughts about Prince of Thieves? Uh, but Prince of Thieves, I thought, was a good corny uh, bunch. Of, like, it was over yeah. the top. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman's really cranking it up. Yeah. Kevin Costner at his most corny. Yeah. And then... Uh, Alan Rickman his, is... And then, yeah, yes, that guy. Yes, he, <sighs> he really emotes. He, yeah. The, the scenery melts around him. Yeah, good, good his, hammy. <laughs> I, would, I would watch that again. That's coming on. I'm watching that. Saw that yeah. at the Capitol Six Theater. Uh, and uh, it was one where like the lineup was so long, it was like, there's no way I'm getting in. Mm. And, but it was such a big theater that it was you're, a big theater, you're getting yeah. in. Yeah. I was sitting at the back, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a fun. That's a fun way to watch a movie like that. It actually probably made the movie seem better to you than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1994, there was Tombstone. Speaking of George P. Sure, sure. And uh, Wyatt Earp. Yeah, came out the same year. So Wyatt Earp, I don't know that one. Is that like a more serious one? No, I don't think it was super serious. Okay. No, I think okay. there was a. When Who played Wyatt Earp in it? <sighs> Kurt Russell in Tombstone. I know. Right, that. right, right. Uh, which one was Val Kilmer in? He's in Tombstone. He plays Doc mm, Holliday in Tombstone. Okay, I gotta look this up. Uh, Wyatt Wyatt Earp. Uh, <laughs> when was uh, Silverado? That was earlier. That was in ni- in nineteen eighties. Yeah, I think that one kind of uh, changed uh, uh, the western a little bit, to where it was like more meta, more commenty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, situation. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, media Wyatt Earp. What the hell? Wyatt Earp film, nineteen ninety four. That would be Kevin Costner again. Oh, Kevin Costner. Uh, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman. I think that film was a little bit Catherine more... Catherine O'Hara. Bill Pullman. Hmm. Oh, the surprise. And uh, Jim Caviezel. Uh, Caviezel? Yeah. In one of his earliest roles. I would say so. Before he became Jesus. Yep. And now a lunatic. Um, Tombstone's a good movie, by the way. Yeah, Tombstone is a... I, I remember Wider being... Apparently like, okay. more directed by Kurt Russell than by that director. Isabella Rosalini also in it. There's a lot of good people in Wyatt Earp. And it's Lawrence uh, Kasdan. That's the, right. Uh, that's right. And writer. Speaking of Silverado, because he also did Silverado. Yep. Huh. When was Young Guns? Because that also was. That, kinda, was, that was also an uh, 80s one. As that, well. was that was Lifting That was a Brat Pack. That yeah. was a Brat Pack special. So. And they were all just talking. Yeah. I want to say talking normal. That's not the right thing to say. Yes. But they weren't talking old timey Western. No. Everyone was no. like, you know. It was like, yeah. It was kind of one of those first films that. Uh, had this idea of anachronistic yeah. and no one's racist stuff. towards people they would be racist to back then mm-hmm. yeah because you know we're all now but we're yeah. then it had um that actor in it yeah you know who i mean sure he was he was in la bamba yeah he played richie richie valens of course he was lou diamond yeah phillips lou diamond phillips and uh, emilio estevez and Kiefer sutherland mm-hmm. and the rest here on gilligan's young guns yeah and there was Young Guns too. How about pig movies? 1995, Babe, and Gordy. What was Gordy? I don't know what Gordy is. Sounds like the Canadian version. Talking live action pigs. Huh. Well, Babe was better. There's no way. There's no way Gordy was as good. Yeah, we. There, there, it can't be. Oh, geez, he's got sunglasses. 
and a little tie. Was no, he, no. Is, is he Gord McKenzie, the brother of Spuds McKenzie? The little pig yeah. who hit it big. Oh, not, that's not quite as good. Right. And we, we've already established that, uh, you know, Babe is, uh, you know. Yeah, it's about a livestock piglet named Gordy who searches mm. for his missing family who are taken away to a slaughterhouse in <laughs> Omaha. Uh, Gordy experiences the lives of others who are part of the film's side plots, including traveling country music singers, uh, a lonely boy uh, whose mother is engaged to a sinister businessman, and uh, Gordy changes lives for the people he encounters due to his ability to understand him. <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, does he save his family from the slaughterhouse? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, his family survives. He's good. He's reunited with his father, who's also about to be killed in the slaughterhouse. And the pigs are moved back to the farm. What the fuck? Do they buy the farm? Like, how does <laughs> how does this work? Oh, I see. So and it ends up he somehow gets the slaughterhouse shut down. Okay. Yeah, somehow. Hmm. hmm. Okay, that's fine. All right, good for him. Um... Moving past a couple of movies that I don't care about. All to say, Striptease and Showgirls, 1995, 1996. Okay. I'm trying to remember what Striptease. Oh, Striptease. Yeah, that was Demi Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah, both were kind of stunt uh, things. You know what? Showgirls was more stunty, I think. Again, I saw Showgirls uh, at the Cap 6 as well (laughs) with two friends, and we just like Mystery Science Theater our way through it. Yeah. Because it was uh, just so... Abominable. Abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird movie. It feels weird when you hire an actress like Elizabeth Berkley, who does it come out of doing a, a TV a teen TV show. Yeah. And obviously trying to like get a get a you know, some sort of foot foothold in, in, in this you know, in the in, outside of being in like television. Yeah, it's and yeah. it feels almost like you've found this person who you can just exploit to the nth degree and they will go along with whatever you do because they need to they need to get this movie, and they need this movie to work for them, you know? Right. It's reminding me a bit of uh, uh, Lisa Bonet on an Angel Heart. Okay. You know, which again... Got her fired know, family, from the show. Fan, yeah, and then uh, the, uh, the lead, uh, lead daughter, the daughter in Seventh Heaven as well. She did something that was, you know, hey, you can't be doing that. She did it. She, I'm doing it. And then she did it. And yeah. He went on. I mean, look, the thing about... Uh, you got to pay your dues, but it feels like... Yuck. Showgirls, it's weird because it could... Mm, it's like, is it super freaking terrible? It's weird. Like, if you expect it to be a proper movie... Yeah. It's, there you go. But if you expect it to be like just can't be big nonsense and they, yeah. they're in on it and you're in on it, then it could be fun where it's, you know, it's basically, you know... Uh, it it the, needs... The problem is is that it's boring. That's the movie's biggest sin. It's not that it's... Yeah. Like, it's not that it's exploitative. It's not that, you know, that's what it should be about. And it should be more vibrant. Yeah. It needs, like, more, like, being like a Baz Luhrmann film. But unfortunately, it's not. It's directed yeah. by... Paul Verhoeven, right? Was that who directed it? Some, like someone, something like that. Someone yeah. big directed it. It's uh, it's it's definitely like it's the it's the story where you know uh, she wants it all. Damn it, she wants it all, and yeah. she's willing to compromise. That's great. In fact, here's the big star, and I'm going to push her down the stairs. Oh, she broke her leg, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm ready to take over, Mister. Yeah. Except it's a strip club. Yeah. You know, so it's like okay, and like the whole. But it's a Las Vegas strip club, right? And she just repeatedly goes like, "I ain't no whore," through the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, and then. You know, but she's a sex worker. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I guess, uh, you know. 
I, 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 well, you she's know. a dancer. No, 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 no. Later on. Oh, and, is she is. Yeah, right. full on. Oh, I've uh, not seen the whole movie. That's okay. It's fine. It's was kind of boring. And and there's a lot of good hammy actors in it that you could be having some fun with this. But yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't go far enough. And it needs. Yeah, it needs to be bigger. They did try to have fun with striptease, but but you know, eh. you know how much how charming do you find Burt Reynolds? I mean, the <laughs> movie really rides pretty hard on that. Uh huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But in 1997, there was Kundun, a Scorsese film, okay. and Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt. Okay. I don't know who directed that one. But. And they and they felt that there were... Okay. And those were the two art house movies that they mm-hmm. want to run against each other. Okay. It's weird. That. That's not like the mainstreamiest. I mean, Seven Years in Tibet is a bit more mainstream in that it hired like an up-and-comer like Brad Pitt, whereas Kundun is very much more like a movie that just... just this is like... This is that idea of like, you know, you've made a lot of great films, Martin. So we'll give you this one. Yeah. You wanted to make this movie so bad. We're going to let you make this movie. Yeah. We know no one's going to go see it. But maybe it'll make some Academy Awards. But maybe, maybe we'll get a little of this. Yeah. We'll get something out of it. We'll get some cons out of this. You got you got half of the budget you had Here for Casino. <laughs> let me tell you. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's all right. Now, are you skipping over intentionally mm. uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak? No, we're not there yet. Okay, very good. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this movie. Because right. that, to be you honest know, with like, you... I, I thought we were past that. 1997. Okay. Volcano and Dante Speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, once again, one of those films is not bad. The other one is uh, ridiculous. What's the one with Pierce Brosnan? Dante Speak. Okay. Volcano, I believe, is Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. As I the, can tolerate the, uh, the, the, the Pierce Brosnan one. Can you tolerate the other one? Or which one is... No, the... I, think the, I think Dante Speak is better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that it's more that's, fun. Is that the one that's got the guy doing a rescue and like uh, going into the lava and like just go, is like yeah, I think melting that is Dante's. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yes, yes. I've seen both movies, so they're kind and of. Then, in my and mind then at the very end of it, aliens show up and go like, "You're okay." <laughs> You're okay. And then goes like, "Oh, I've never he's, felt better." He's, he's right. cyborg legs. I've never, I've never felt my legs before. You, you don't. They're just you're imagining they're there. They're mm-hmm. gone. They're long gone. That's okay. So we're all aliens now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all fine. And then he. We're all showgirls. That's right. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Uh, the, a year later, yeah, we got um, we got Armageddon mm-hmm. and Deep Impact. Yeah, the weird thing about that movie for me was I was visiting my friend uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, and uh, I, I I met a guy there who uh, you know I knew I knew him already. Uh, it was Frank Van Keeken. Okay, who's uh, in it? Okay, and which uh, one? Sorry, which one? Armageddon or Deep Armageddon? Impact? Okay. And yeah, he was uh, telling me like uh, he was he was the guy who uh, had to read all the stage directions at the at the big reading with oh. all the actors. Okay. And uh, and what he didn't realize was you don't read them all. Okay. <laughs> and so all the actors were rolling their eyes and giving the big ugh, <laughs> ugh. And finally, the director, you don't read them all, Frank. And just like trim it down. It's like I don't know what I'm gonna read. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, and, and so, he he played. Uh, isn't that a Michael Bay movie? This is a good question. I think it is. Armageddon yeah. is a Michael Bay. Sounds film. about right. And so yeah, Michael Bay was giving him guff, and uh, you know, yeah. and uh, Bruce Willis was like rolling his eyes and all this stuff, and yeah, he was really nervous because yeah, it's yeah. like all these big shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, then he uh, and then he was playing the um, uh, cab driver in it. Okay, and uh, who became much more ethnic over time. Oh really? Yeah, it was like take it up a notch. Okay. More, yeah. more, 
Even more. Sounds like my A little company. bit more. That sounds like my more. Yeah. More. <laughs> Double that. Here we go. Hello, it's everybody. It's what the camera I know. Okay, here you go. A little more. Was that a, was that a cat driving you? I don't know. We drive you to the Armageddon. So, yeah, so I had that impression of Armageddon in my head yeah, you know, yeah. before it came out. I think, so I always thought like the uh, Deep Impact was the more art housey movie. Yes, it was the more thoughtful one. And I think directed by a female director, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I still don't understand why uh, whoever the lead was in that I had to like stand with her father and uh, die. I didn't quite get the reason for that. But, uh, you know, what the wave was about to hit. I was like, this doesn't seem necessary. Just Wait, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Yeah. Uh, up to safety with other people. Okay. Where it's safe. I don't think there is a safe place. Isn't yeah, there the was. Was there? Deep Impact? Yeah, yeah. It didn't end with, like, the world's over. That would be a that would be an extinction-level event if that happened. Okay, but it's a movie, so, you know. Yeah, that would be it for us. No, you get the Abyss aliens to show up. That's all going to be fine. <laughs> uh, what's the best about Armageddon now is... Um, is Ben Affleck's uh, commentary on the movie. Oh, okay. All right. It is classic. So great. Uh, explain why. Oh, because he, he makes fun of the movie through the whole commentary. In yeah, fact, should. Which I didn't realize he does all the time. Like, anytime he does a commentary track, he just makes fun of the movie. But he's, it's great. He's just like, you know, he talks about things like, you know, I go to Michael and I'd say, why, why are they bringing in, like, construction workers to do this? Like, shouldn't they be scientists? You know, and he'd like point out all these things, and then Michael Bay would finally get frustrated. Just be, a, shut up, Ben. Just go, just do your scene. I, yeah, it's great though. It's really good. It's well worth uh, checking out. I think there's probably like some YouTube. I'll, I'll if I remember, I will put some. If I if I remember and if I find them, if they're still extant on YouTube, I will put a clip from the movie of with uh, Ben Affleck uh, being funny, being a funny guy. So in 1998 as well. Oh, by the way, the sorry with uh, Deep Impact, yeah, the mm-hmm. world does survive the world does survive yeah of course and the president does a nice talk well no the world's gonna survive it's just that we would be gone Mm. the world uh yeah the president speaks at the united states capitol encouraging people to remember those that lost they lost yeah and then uh they storm the capitol and uh oh no (laughs) this happens here too it's like oh boy okay fine yikes um 1998 okay as well ants with a Z. sure sure and a bug's life yeah. Two insectoid movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the time, I preferred Ants. But uh, but uh, looking at the animation now, it's a bit... Uh, it's, a bit r- it's a bit rough. It's a bit money for nothing. I like them both. I, like, I, think they're both I think they're both good. And they're both different films. They both have different... Yeah, uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave Foley. Yep. So that's, that's fine and dandy. I would say not my favorite Pixar movie by a long shot. No, no. You know? It's No Monsters Incorporated. <laughs> Which is obviously the best one. All right. I'm trying to think what the parallel film to Monsters Incorporated would be. There are none. That's why it's so great. Yeah, that's why. When you look at like the the genesis of that of that movie, I mean, it's no Mar- it's no uh, Monsters University or Monsters, you know, temp agency or what the fuck they're doing now. <laughs> that's enough. Settle down. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Slow your roll, sir. Um, I was just gonna say. Uh, when if you look at like the genesis of that of that film, like the create, it starts off as a very humdrum typical movie and just by inspired changes here and there they turned into such a great animated film and what i like about it most is the dvd where i can actually watch the christmas uh show like the office you know like there's a scene where he's um 
put that thing back where you came from or so help me and he pretends it's like yeah. they're working up a song for the christmas christmas uh party they actually in the on the dvd they have the christmas party like they have the whole okay it's like in excerpts and stuff like that but All it's right. like like uh mike wachowski you know it, with the lone spotlight singing she's out of my hair mm-hmm. this is so great this is fantastic it's, nice it's, it's well worth having children so you can get the dvd of that film and watch it. billy crystal billy crystal let me tell you this about billy sure. crystal there's a guy who's had a lot of careers, eh? Mm-hmm. There's a guy who you think like, well, and that's enough Billy Crystal for me. Yeah. And then, oh, wait. Wait. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, we're doing more. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? That's enough Billy Crystal for me. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's back. Uh, sure. All right. Is he back now? Yeah. What's he doing? He is on Broadway. Huh? Uh, well, here's here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay. And you tell me yeah. if you can guess what he's doing on Broadway. Okay. All right. So he is doing on Broadway a character. Yeah. Now, this, was, this sounds like it's a good clue, but it is not a Mr. good Mr. Saturday clue. Night, whatever. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what it was. <laughs> he, it was a character he did on Saturday Night Live first. Yeah. Then it became a movie. Yeah, and now movie, it's a yeah. Broadway uh, thing. And it's a, it's, it's, he does it with uh, David uh, Pamer. His brother yep, yep. from the from the movie. Oh wow! They're, they're basically the cast yeah. from the movie is in the Broadway show. Wow, that's great. But now he's basically the old man that he played <laughs> yeah, when he yeah. was the young man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so strange. But I, yeah, I liked big... him so much on Soap. I guess because yeah, I'd yeah. I guess because I'd seen him like do his stand like a stand up stand upish stuff. It wasn't really like true stand up, you know, because it would have weird things like him crunching chips, you know, and imitating like doing foley sounds for like an imaginary movie, jungle movie, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's where I first kind of saw him, I think, doing that stuff on talk shows. And then he was on Soap, as Jody, his character Jody. On. Here, here's, the, here's the other thing about Billy Crystal. Yeah. By the way, are you doing uh, vampire stuff today? No, no. Okay, good. Then we've got time for me to say this. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to be, uh, like, he wanted to do Saturday Night Live so much. Yeah. And ended up on the, on the wrong Saturday Night Live. Billy Crystal did. Yeah. He was on the Howard Cosell Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Yeah. But his dream was to be in Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. he got a chance to host mm-hmm. and did so well yeah. that they uh, brought him back for that one season. Mm-hmm. And he he did that killer season it was a know, great with Mark season. Short, yeah, yeah. Chris Guest. And uh, and yeah, and, and it was just nice seeing him live his dream. You know what hurts? <sighs> I, I know. That it's, it, that sketch should not have worked. <laughs> that sketch was just... just Dicking around, that was just yeah. dicking around improv, <laughs> yeah. and it shouldn't have worked. It's and by God, damn it, it worked, and it was uh, good on him. Hooray. All right, well, let's let's. Well, we so we we can get through this. We can get through all right. This. Go for it. Um, the Truman Show and Ed TV, very came out similar. Yes, nineteen eighty. But one but more. No, I think the Truman definitely. Show. Yeah, the Truman Show is more about someone who doesn't know he's on TV, whereas the Ed Show is more about someone who sells himself out. But I think it was a time period where reality TV was just sort of poking mm-hmm. its head up, and mm-hmm. it's like. Where can we take it to the nth degree? And in both those cases, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, The Truman Show is definitely the show that... Uh, it's definitely the film that uh, people remember the most. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1999, The Matrix. I don't really get this one. The Matrix, mm-hmm. Existence. For sure. And The 13th, 13th Floor. floor. I've not yeah, seen that one. Yeah, all three of those films. I saw Matrix. The, the Matrix was the third film I saw. I saw 13th Floor first, yeah. which was, you know... It all comes down to what is reality, man. Okay. <laughs> you know, hey, you know your perception of life? Wrong, dude. <laughs> it, wrong, dude. It's yeah. actually on another level, man. Okay. So, you know, 13th floor, eh, 
It's not great. Okay. Existence. Uh, I love it. It's it's a great movie. I making t- making the gun out of teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gross. Teeth and bones. It's like, fire as teeth, but it's made like, of flesh and bones. Yeah, yeah. You go to a Cronenberg. It's a very Cronenberg movie. It is very Cronenberg. And yeah, yeah. You go to a Cronenberg movie. You're just okay. I like it because it's, it's kind of like Videodrome and that it's it's layered reality. So you're not sure where reality lays and where unreality is. That's the whole idea that's behind the whole idea all, of it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. And then Matrix definitely had its own yeah, tone. It's great. You know, it it's was filmmakers, great. you know, yeah. uh, you know, the, do, going full out as themselves and here you go. And not, not just going full out, but also exploiting all the available technology of that time yeah. to create this fantastic fantastic new feeling of a movie you know? and i think unlike uh existence and uh 13th floor it also gave your head a little uh chance to like think about stuff yourself and mm-hmm. take it into like what if what if i'm in the you know, yeah, yeah, yeah more so than you wouldn't go like what if i'm existent now nah, yeah yeah that you don't think you're 13th floor but like the main, <laughs> well, that's interesting that's interesting yeah and also look man canna reeves Mm-hmm. Uh, is real enjoyable to watch in a movie. Yes, you know, you see him in a movie, and you know, uh, he used to get made fun of for like bad acting. You know, back in the Dracula days. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that guy's wooden. Oh, that guy's this. That guy's that. Sure. Yeah, but you know what? He's charming. He's charming, and and, and takes you and lets you enter into the movie, and you're yeah. uh, you're having a good time. And the fact is that he came on that f- came on Dracula like like a week before the film started filming. Like, he had no time to prepare for his character at all. So it's kind of unfortunate for him that he, you know, he gamely gave it his all, but, you know, it kind yeah. of fell short. But it's not his fault that he couldn't prepare for it. it, it he wasn't supposed to be in the movie. And the opportunity came up and he went, work with Francis Ford Coppola? Of course I will, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, two movies I like a lot came out in 2000. Okay. Red Planet. All right. And Mission to Mars. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. has a great moment in the middle of the film that's this kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. which is really great yeah, yeah i think maybe and it's it's still a good enough film that it can carry on after that it's not like a cliffhanger opening sequence where the movie can't recover from like it's because it's such a great opening sequence that is where do it, you go from there is it uh one of the uh one of those disney based on a ride movies no neither are i don't maybe mission to mars is i think, I think, I think you're is. right i, I think, think you're right actually is. now that you say that yeah because red planet's more like uh we are we are colonizers who are who are, you know, even we don't know they're there, but there's like this, you know, uh, Aboriginal culture or native culture to this planet that we are, that we are um, disturbing. Uh, yeah, it is, it is definitely, it's it's named after the park okay. attraction. But it's so much better than that. Yeah. It's so much better than that. It's a really good movie, I think. It wasn't, they weren't successful, either movie. Neither movie was successful. No, uh, though I did, I, I liked them both. Okay, who here's, directed Mission to Mars? Mission to, uh, Brian De Palma. That's what I thought. I was going to say, but he directed Mission to Mars. Uh, your favorite? I um, do like him a lot. I just watched um, Just to Kill the other night. Gary Sinise was the uh, lead. Uh, I remember I went to the movies once. Uh, Mission to Mars, yeah, Tim Robbins in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, uh, good scene with Tim Robbins. Oh, that's what Jerry I was O'Connell. His very weird thing. Both Gary Sinise and, and Jerry O'Connell, I've sat behind at this same movie theater I'm thinking about right now and watched movies. Um, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell, I watched uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie uh, okay. behind him. Uh, <laughs> but Gary Sinise, this was shortly after Forrest Gump, and he was shooting something in Vancouver. And so I was at the movies, and he was uh, at the movies, and he was like going up the escalator in mm-hmm. front of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I saw Gary Sinise, and I went like, Oh, he got his legs back. Good for him. (laughs) 
Good for him. Kenneth Good job. really got his got, yeah, got yeah. his act together. Got those legs back. It's nice to see. Him. And and she, and she was like, you know, I know you're joking, but it's it's nice to see him with the legs. <laughs> I know because the last time you saw him, he didn't have the legs. I feel pretty good that he's got the. Oh, look at him! Look at him walking. Oh, that's nice. Very nice. It's nice to see. Then you saw him in Snake Eyes, and he went not so nice. All right, uh, two, two quick trivia uh, questions then. Okay. Uh, Mission to Mars. Yeah. It's a ride at Disneyland. Yes. But it had two other names before it was Mission to Mars. Oh, really? It's uh, yeah. When it opened in '55, and then it changed its name again in '71, and then became uh, Mission to Mars. Oh. What was it originally called? Do you remember? Was it still science fiction based? Oh yeah, yeah. But it wasn't to Mars. So it's the moon, probably. Rocket to the moon, and yeah. then flight to the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we had we had uh, lower. We had fifty five. I mean, we hadn't done it yet, so it would you know be pretty impressive big, the big, idea of going deal. to the moon. Um. So I'm gonna skip those ones. Okay. Um. But you mentioned, I think you mentioned this two Truman Capote. Yeah. Uh, movies in the same year. Cap- yeah. Capote and Infamous. I've seen Capote. I've not seen Infamous. It's one of those things where you've seen yeah, them, you've seen them all. Yeah, I've seen Capote as well, yeah. And I'm like, that's enough, Capote. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. I mean, the actor does a great job. The name slipped my mind for embarrassed to say it. But uh, what's the actor's name? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, Philip Seymour And then Hoffman. there's the other guy who was uh, the one of the... This, uh, Aram Zola in, uh, in um, Captain America. Oh, okay. The British actor from... Uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. with the boy Truman Capote. That, yeah. I, I know. He, I can't think of his name now either. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's the feather. How about in 2006 we got the Prestige. Yeah. Which I don't like very much, and the Illusionist, which I didn't mind. I thought it was pretty good. There was Ed, Edward Norton. Okay. Is the Illusionist and I Christian Bale? I do quote Bale the Prestige and, more than I quote the Illusionist. Yeah, because you know. And uh, which one is Bowie in? That's the that's the Prestige. He plays. Okay, so. I like Bowie's scene. Like I, I could go for more Bowie. Give me more, <laughs> some more Bowie. Uh, yeah, they're both. This you Tesla. Know, that's what it is. It's just that's all right. They're okay. All right. Okay. How about two penguin films in, in one year? Are we talking animated or are we yep. talking live? Talking animated. Okay, so Happy Feet? Yep. George George Miller. That's right. Okay. Crazy and, George Miller. And uh Surf's Up. And Surf's Up, that's right. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. I wouldn't have got I probably wouldn't have got either of that. I would forget about Happy Feet and I would never Robin never Williams in uh, Happy Feet, uh and uh, uh Shia LaBeouf in uh, Surf's Up. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know your penguin films. I do. What do you think of Mr. Popper's Penguins? Uh, I, I didn't pop for Mr. Popper's Penguins. You didn't pop for that? No, it wasn't popular A book I loved. I popped over that book when I was a kid. Oh, nice. I really like that book. But rereading it with, I reread it with Mary, I think, and I didn't like it quite as much as I did. I couldn't, I couldn't find what I found so great about it. <laughs> in the re- um, How about Bridesmaid Romances? We had uh, one with Catherine, uh, Catherine Heigl, I believe her okay. name is. And the other one, I think, is um, with um, uh, Jennifer Lopez, I think. Oh, okay. That both, both I believe right. I'm just 27 dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I have seen 27 dresses. I think people at that point were like, well, that's enough Heigl for me. Yeah. I think I'm all right. Well, they got her mixed up with the philosopher Hegel. Yeah. And they came expecting to see something about like circular history. And, yeah, you know, and other the, people were confusing her with the Higgs boson. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Catherine Heigl. Oh, okay. Yeah. And other people thought like, oh, is this like Heigl the, the horrible? Uh, you mean the comic strip? <laughs> yeah. And so on and so forth. <laughs> Made of Honor, I've never seen. I don't know anything about it. And I like romantic comedies, but... Uh, I don't yeah, know. right. Uh, is I always confuse that with Made in Manhattan. Made in Manhattan. No, maybe, maybe that's what I'm getting mixed up with. Yeah, maybe that's, that is with... Uh, I always want to say Jennifer Lopez, like in the South Park. Uh, oh, do you? I don't know why. Do I you just, stop yourself? Or do I, you do, do I do stop myself. Okay, as long as you don't do the hand gesture. I do that too. 
<laughs> it was a formative, it was a formative animation, animation okay. show for me. Uh, in 2009, Observe and Report. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the Seth Rogen, uh, Darker Than You Expect. Darker Than You Expect. I think Richard Iodi's in that as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Darker Than You Expect yeah. film. Okay. With Paul Blart Mall Cop. And I don't see how they, I guess. Well, they're both, uh, they're both security guards. But they're not mall. Both not. They're not both mall cops, are they? Is he a mall cop? I think it's they're more like both mall. Okay, one's like a neighborhood watch. Okay, and the other one is. Uh, they're both not police officers, but they think of themselves as police okay, officers. They think it. of themselves as beyond their station. Mm. One of them is charming. One of them is creepy. Uh, and yeah, it was like Seth Rogen uh, wanting to stretch a bit as an actor doing the uh, Robin Williams cup. Maybe I'll do a dark film for a while. Maybe I'll do a Bill Murray a dark film for a bit. Yeah, you know that's what your comedians want to do sometimes. Is that kind of stuff, and yeah, he makes some bold choices. I'm going to recommend that we shelve this till next week. Okay. We'll finish off. We'll finish off with our, we'll end there with the, uh, we'll talk about it unless people tell us not to talk about it. No, you know what? I'm going to throw this out as like a question of the week because I think sure. it might be a good one. Is like, is there, uh, is there a film that you, uh, uh, can think of that would fit into this category, like two films. Okay. There's like one film and another film came out similar at sure. uh, times, and one you feel like very similar to. Yeah. Well, since we didn't do like some uh, any from the noughties and stuff like that, or many, many from the later part of the, we 90s. didn't do a lot of you know uh, sci-fi knockoffs of her. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That were uh, around around the yeah, same period. Let us, of time. let us know. Okay, so I'm going to go to uh, our letters bag. Yeah, we got to get going pretty soon, folks. So sorry, sorry we're going to cut the show a little short this week. Okay. But, uh, uh, last week we asked, uh, who's your favorite outlaw uh, or outcast artist? Mm. And also, what is your favorite time of year? Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Ferg wrote and said, hello, gents. I listen hello. to most of my podcasts at work. Mm. Oh, someone's got a job. That's nice. La di da, <laughs> which is during the graveyard shift. Oh, uh, when I get home, I uh, go to bed and have forgotten all of the correspondence that I wanted to send to the many podcasts I listen to in the morning. Mm. Lucky for you, I'm home and awake, so I'll try to remember some of my past things I wanted to tell you. Oh, great! Such as my wife is an elementary school K to three librarian, oh. and she had her first Scholastic Book Fair in more than two years. This past May! That's great. Maybe Sparks is for an older age group because she never got them in. Yeah, it's a little older than that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah they, they, they try getting them in now. There's always <laughs> a lot of uh, Raina Tegelmeyer uh, books there, though. Uh, you, sh- uh, you should look into that. Uh, you can order books online, and her library benefits from that. But they only had the third Sparks book, which I'm sorry I haven't read yet. That's okay. Yeah. You can read it. No pressure. I will soon, though. Okay. I promise. It's fine. <laughs> um, my favorite time of year is October to December. Christmas is my favorite holiday, and I can usually muster up a kind of magic I felt as a child. Not last year, though. First, Mike Nesmith died, and then our sweet kitty, Ruby, awesome. was gradually losing her ability to walk. Yikes. I'm already depressive, so these things did not help. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the season this year. Ruby is much better now, in case you were wondering. She just started walking one day in the spring after a few months of not being able to stand up by herself. Wow, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Oh, that's really great news. All right, Ruby, we're all on Team Ruby. So, yes. hooray. Uh, the only artist I could come up with for an outcast is maybe Big Star. They made some amazing records that didn't sell and are really only lauded by those in the know. Emmett Rhodes would be good for this category as well, but I'm not that familiar with uh, his music. Mm. 
I'll leave you alone now. Oh, please don't. Except to say I love you guys and your conversations. They always make me laugh and feel good. Very glad to hear that. Lastly, I would like to submit this 1967 Paul Revere and the Raiders track for Louise's and your approval. I love the bass line on this. And uh, the track is left there. Also says, uh, I enjoyed the top four this week very much, especially the Naima uh, Bach tune. Oh, great. I will be checking out more of her music for sure. At first blush, Ice Cream Man was very reminiscent of the 50s doo-wop tune. Shortly after uh, it began, I wanted to disembowel myself. (laughs) (laughs) We aim to please. (laughs) But, you know, we'll settle for uh, for that. Mm. Uh, There we go. Uh, yabba dabba 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 do. Uh, I'm curious about Batgirl. Uh, sorry, Louise writes, Thanks for the link, Ferg. It's always nice to be sung about. The bassist's <laughs> fingers are really moving in that chorus. In choir, the lowest voices are often given a very thankless and unimaginative line that our conductor calls a one-note party. <laughs> yeah. Favorite outcast artist, Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, like an Arab she spoke. But I do want I wonder why she pronounced it that way. It's strange. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder, did his tragic story contribute to the current value of his paintings? Mm. I love the vibrancy of his most uh, more famous works, but are they that much greater than those of the other Impressionists? Dave, are they? Um, I mean, I guess it depends what you what you like, but um, I... Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I mean, let's face it; it's so subjective, and and un, and not based in really in yep. the art itself. There's some, you know, yes, the tragedy of his life. I think what contributes to the romance of his art, the same way, like so, someone like, um, um, oh man, Monet, let's say, yeah. who lived like a, a a decent, almost bourgeois life, painting, being creative, and then you know, it's great. It's great to go to um, see water lilies and stuff like that. There's beautiful, but I guess there isn't the tragic story behind it that um, makes it so great. Also, water lilies are huge, and the sunflower is quite small and compact. It's easy to carry around in your briefcase to there show you your friends. It's well worth the fifty million dollars you paid for it. Now I'm very curious about Batgirl and why the Warner Brothers execs thought it wasn't worth finishing and promoting. Mm. Before the turn of the century, a movie that tested poorly or uh, just wasn't gelling would go straight to video (laughs) so the producers could recoup uh, some of their investment. Even now, so-so movies will show up on cable movie channels and streaming services eventually. But I guess uh, without uh, with social media and online reviews, you're going to encounter intense, intense ridicule if your project falls sorts of expectations or is too woke for the trolls. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the trolls is a completely different sketch group. You're thinking of the guy from the Frantics. Yeah. Or the the movie franchise. That's right. Um, let's. Just, I mean, the interesting thing about that Batgirl thing is it's not just that like they've taken American Pickle off of HBO. Mm-hmm. Like all of their films that were done as purely stream streaming movies are gone from their site which is really interesting and kind of fascinating like the sense i think we all have a sense like like oh streaming things will always be available they'll be available forever we'll always yeah. have we'll always be, have access to them and then the reality is that there's a lot of stuff that we don't have access to and also i mean i was watching like i said i was watching dress to kill the other night and what i realized when i was watching it is that it's not properly it's not in the proper ratio oh they've They've uh, taken. They've like made the movie into normal TV size, so they've taken away the black bars again. Mm. So we're 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 not getting the old pan and scan squishiness of the Academy standard, 
But now we're getting the squishiness, or at least the cut off the saw edges of the TV now because they're not they're not they're not banding the films. So we're you know if you're like a movie fan like I am, it's really annoying to not get to see the film as the director intended it. So I mean, I was watching Dress to Kill. It's a Brian De Palma film. Yeah. It really it takes advantage of the widescreen to to have action going on on both sides of the screen, etc. And yeah, just missing it because the movie is uh, not being shown properly. Foo. Foo wee. Um, uh, Edward uh, Draganski writes, I'm curious about Batgirl 2 now, Louise. Part of me wants to see it because uh, I can't have it. And the other part of me wonders if they did us a favor. I've read uh, too many varied viewpoints to know what the bottom line is. My guess is when Warner Discovery formulates a plan for their comic films, we'll know more. Up until the cancellation of Batgirl, I didn't even know anything about it, but I'm still on even ground with it. Just curious, if anything. I- I'm believing that they thought they could make more money from the tax write-off than they could, uh, you know, actually putting it on the air. And so that's what they did. That's my that's my thought. I think it's partly that, and I think there's a partly an, a, uh, um, a... What's the word I'm looking for? There's an... There's a, a motive that's also like based in the 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 ideas of the guy who's taken over does not like does not like streaming movies. He doesn't think that's mm. think it devalues films. Yeah, in terms of like profit. Right. And so he doesn't want to do that at all. He just wants theaters, you know. And eventually they can show up on HBO Max, but he doesn't want to have like concurrent releases and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, because he's putting his money where his mouth is, or at least taking the tax credits where his mouth is. Yeah. Uh, streaming is a fucking ocean right now that uh, <laughs> is drowning many of us in yeah, some ways. Yeah. Edward Dragansky writes, again, uh, as I'm typing this, I'm watching huge sheets of rain fall outside sorry, my office. Sorry to interrupt, Ed, but I yeah. also want to point out that Disney has just announced that they're going to a two-tier system on there. So you can pay more money to get ad-free uh, programming. But if you don't, if you say it with a basic rate yeah. that we're paying right now, which went up a dollar last year, uh, you will have to watch ads. For Disney Plus? Yeah. <laughs> not, as i'm typing not making this, enough money apparently i'm watching huge sheets of rain fall outside my office window the most significant <laughs> amount we've had in months the thunder is rolling temperatures are falling and animals are pairing up it's almost biblical <laughs> repent repent ed uh dave mentioned an invention last week that has personally made our lives easier so uh, i'll walk that back uh, from an invention that has benefited uh, mankind globally, I'd have to go with Photoshop. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, all the fine Adobe applications have made my life easier and fun <laughs> to learn at the same time. I'll never uh, discount uh, taking a uh, pencil to paper, which still gives me great joy. A mentor of mine once said, there's no difference between a simple pencil and a computer. They both achieve the same result. Only one is much more expensive and complicated. <laughs> uh, so, And one can stab you in the eye. Yes. Uh, so thanks uh, to the uh, Knoll brothers at Industrial Light and Magic for selling Photoshop to Adobe and making my life easier yet more complicated than a pencil. Did they sell it outright or did they license I don't know the story of that, actually. It's kind of like Xerox selling the Apple desktop to mm. to Apple. Like, you know, the whole thing, like the whole Apple operating system was actually developed by the Xerox Corporation. Oh. They attempted to sell it as a home computer, but it was just like bad timing. It was too expensive, and this is the wrong time for people to want that in their home. So Steve Jobs convinced them to license it to Apple, and they never looked back. There we go. And Xerox never looked forward. Uh, Edward is uh, watching the rain like a dumbass now. (laughs) And he's back. Uh, Not that they were necessarily outlaws or outcasts, but I've always been fascinated with the era of the Red Scare in Hollywood. Mm. As an American, McCarthy's communist uh, witch hunt isn't exactly anything to be proud of during his reign in post-war Hollywood. 
but how it forced the hand of filmmakers and actors across the industry makes for some interesting stories. I admire and celebrate the lengths at which these artists uh, went through uh, to deliver their craft and stick with what they did best. Artists like Dalton Trumbo and the rest of the Hollywood 10 faced overwhelming odds. Did I say something wrong? No, I just said, yeah. Uh, Faced overwhelming odds during those uh, years and were outcast not only by McCarthy, but by those who believed his rhetoric. Fortunately, after blacklisting, hearings, and imprisonment, the era ended in the 60s. The Hollywood Ten were controversial figures at the time. They launched their protest, and their actions continue to inspire debate decades later. Some tend to view their punishment as justified, since the individuals were admitted communists, while others generally view them as heroic figures who spoke out against the abuses of the Red Scare and in defense of the U.S. Constitution, where many of their colleagues remained, while many of their colleagues remained silent. Discuss. All right. <laughs> Interestingly, in 1966, Jerry Rubin was dragged in front of HUAC, in front of the House of Un-American Activities, the, or the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Uh, but at that point, you know, the culture had changed so much. You know, he came dressed like George Washington came to the hearing dressed like like he was a Minuteman or something like that, and just made such a mockery of the whole thing that they couldn't get what they wanted, which was, you know, like, it's not just, they weren't just seeking communists. They wanted people who were against, quote-unquote, the American way of life, you know, and what, what that meant was, you know, like, uh, proponents of, you know, uh, anti-war protesters yeah. and free speech people and stuff like that. You know, at that time, he was involved in this, this free speech movement at Berkeley. And... And yeah, so, but I mean, you know, in some ways it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like cancel culture in the sense that you can only get canceled if you want to be canceled. Yeah. You know, there's lots of alternatives. If you feel like you can't be in this platform, there's other places you can go and speak your mind if that's what you want to do. You know, and, you know, in this case, he did, he was like, you have no authority over me. I have no jurisdiction over me. I do not, I do not agree with what you're doing. I don't believe in that you exist to me. You're nothing. And this mean, is meaningless, and you know, it kind of just took the teeth out of the whole whole thing. And of course, in the fifties, a lot different. There was like this real sense of of threat from the Soviet Union. There were active spies who you know passed on like the plans for the yeah, for the, the yeah. atom bomb. The atom like that. bomb. That's yeah. the thing. The world could end. Yeah. Yeah. And there was fear to monger if you wanted to monger some fear. The sure. problem was is people who were like communists in the thirties were communists in the sense that they were labor activists. Yeah. There are people working like for unions and, and you know, really did want to like have a better life. They weren't you know, they weren't arguing for some sort of like dictatorship that of of the you know, like Stalinist dictatorship. That's not what they were promoting. They were promoting like this idea of like, you know, shared labor that people should get with be paid for their work in a way that was commensurate to the what they were giving up you know et cetera, et cetera. like um yeah it's pretty it's pretty uh sh- shocking time i think there's that great movie well, i don't know if it's a great movie but it's a very good film the front the with, front yeah. yeah with woody allen and zero mustel yeah great great film and yeah. great ending which we're not going to spoil but yeah it's yeah. really really great ending yeah if, yeah. if nothing else just watch the ending <laughs> probably can watch it on youtube uh, i don't know i don't think you would have the same I understand. It wouldn't have the same emotional impact just watching that's it. A, that's a fair point. Uh, I love the fall down here in Texas. I have to say October is the perfect month as mm-hmm. far as weather and, act- and activity goes. We have our famous state fair in October and everything cools down slowly. I can remember a singular uh, day from when I was little and going outside to play just as fall arrived. It sticks in my mind with a very familiar abstract feel for me. Fall just delivers the greatest memories for me. And hey, if you need a question for next week, oh, we do. 
Uh, what comic character from any company, not just Marvel and DC, uh, still needs a film or a series based on their book? And who would you like to see in the series? We can go with that. That's not even just superhero stuff. Uh, yeah, any uh, any comic character? I'm even going to go comic strip. There, I'm going to expand it. Comic or comic strip character that should have a film or TV series uh, based on uh, them. So there you go. Could it be Mary Worth? Maybe Hager the Horrible. Brought, brought those guys up earlier. Uh, and, uh, and his answer uh, is Alan Moore's Miracle Man. Mm, all right. Uh, best to all my fellow sneakers. Best to you, Ian and David. Have a great weekend and an even better week. Thank you so much. <laughs> Do we have any letters email style, David? We do not. We don't have any any of this. Week. Well, people, then let me people throw... let me down. No, no, well, that's not really fine. Not really. So there we go. The two questions we've got are one: What is uh, any movies that we may have missed so far, uh, and we're going to probably cover more next week, uh, but that are very similar and came out at a similar time? And uh, what is any comic uh, book or strip character you think uh, deserves a movie or TV show that has not had one yet? I'll even accept hasn't had a good one yet and like <laughs> has to get it done right. Something like to me, that's like the spirit. The spirit, I think, still could uh, have a good uh, thing. Um, here's what you do. Go to SneakyDragon.com and uh, look for our episodes. You can post underneath any of our episodes. Uh, with your uh, answers and or comments, and we'd love to hear from you there. If you'd like to email, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com is the way to do it, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. On Twitter, we are sneaky underscore dragon, and on Tumblr, we are sneakydragon.tumblr.com. We do books, oh my God. Remember we were talking about that Sparks thing? We got like three books out, Sparks. Sparks Double Dog Dare, and Sparks Future Perfect is the uh, newest one. A couple of those have won awards, for crying out loud. And we're supposed to go off to our friend's place now to watch Point Break. That's what we're <laughs> going to do. So I think we've covered all the bases that we traditionally would cover here. Anything, any other business needs businessing? To be honest, I stopped paying attention. <laughs> okay, then so long, friends. Bye, everyone. Mr. Baseman, you've got that certain something. Mr. Baseman, you set that music thumping. To you it's easy. When you go one, two, three, yeah, Mr. Baseman, you're on all the songs with a boom boom and a boom boom boom. Hey, Mr. Baseman, you're the hidden king of rock and roll. Oh, it don't mean a thing when the lead is singing or when he goes high. Hey, Mr. Baseman, I'm asking just one thing. Oh, will you teach me? Hmm, yeah, the way you sing. Cause Mr. Bassman, I want to be a bassman too. Oh, Mr. Bassman, I really think I'm with it. Oh, Mr. Bassman, now I'm a bassman too. Hey, Mr. 
face, man I'm asking just one thing Will you teach me? Mm, yeah, the way you sing Cause Mr. Bassman I wanna be a bassman too Yeah, Mr. Bassman I think I'm really with it Boom, boom And a boom, boom Come on, Mr. Bassman Now I'm a bassman too Now you. <laughs>